Ladies and gentlemen, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday, May 16th, 2018 edition of the Hagman Report. So glad to be here tonight. We got a great show lined up for you tonight. We have Greg Jackson coming on at 7.30. We got Chris Gabotz coming on at 8 o'clock and Pastor David Langford taking us out at 9. And we have a bunch of news and subject matter we're going to get to in the meantime. And it has been a crazy day. I was just telling Eric, and I guess this is the perfect way to start the show because it's been such an odd day. I had a, a real hard time sleeping last night. There was a number of issues, so I only got a few hours of sleep. And boy, did that throw me off today like you wouldn't believe. I was telling Eric the only thing I could do efficiently seemed to be yard work. So I was uh, trying to get some some writing done and some research done. I just couldn't do it earlier. So feel a little off, but hearing the intro music, getting the show rolling, hopefully gets us right back on track. We have a bunch of news we're going to get into in this segment. There is breaking news coming out uh, from the President Trump, Robert Mueller investigation. We have more information on Stormy Daniels. We have the North Korea rhetoric that we talked about a little bit yesterday about the North Korean government threatening to back out of the summit. I think that's June 12th with President Trump. And I said yesterday that we did not hear Kim Jong-un say that. He did not tweet that out. This was said by another government official to a South Korean, excuse me, news organization. And today we saw the White House respond to that, saying that they're going to scale down their military drills that they hold with South Korea in the Korean Peninsula they're not going to use B-52 bombers, which is something that they apparently use in these drills. Yeah, there's the headline, USA downscales drills. So apparently it was uh, a credible threat from North Korea, and I'd say no harm, no foul. Uh, the drills will still continue, but it's going to be uh, downsized a little bit, I guess, if you will. Also, there is a lot of uh, information coming out on the... Robert Mueller investigation from Trump's financials disclosures confirms a Stormy Daniels payment. Also, there is breaking news that just popped up a few moments ago. Rudy Giuliani has been making uh, a ton of news headlines since he came on Team Trump. Not as much as Michael Avenatti, the lawyer for Stormy Daniels, who has gotten, I believe it is 127, 147 media appearances equaling $175 million in free advertising, according to some studies done. I think that was by the Media Research Center. And we have a lot more information about him coming out, an $8 million, a mysterious $8 million payment that was made to him in January. And that's around the time he's, he was asked and stated that he is not being paid by Stormy Daniels. We also have news on uh, another side of this with, again, Rudy Giuliani. He has said that Mueller's team 
told? Well, I don't know about himself. He is Trump's one of Trump's lawyers. Mueller's team told Trump's lawyers they can't indict a president, which is an interesting turn of events if this is true. Special counsel Robert Mueller's team has informed President Donald Trump's attorneys that they have concluded that they cannot indict a sitting president, according to the president's lawyer. All they get to do is write a report, Giuliani told CNN. They cannot indict. At least they acknowledge that to us after some battling. They acknowledge that to us. So here Giuliani is coming out and saying that the special counsel and his team have told Giuliani or his associates, Trump's lawyers, personally that they cannot indict a sitting president. So what does that mean? What is Could this even be true? Would they say that to Giuliani, even if they thought that to be true? It seems like they're burying their own case, if this is something that's been said. And that brings up another question, Giuliani. Has he been doing more harm than good with his countless media appearances? He seemed to have toned it down since, uh, I think it was about a week, week and a half ago, where he made uh, just a, a number of appearances, as many as he could per day for a good four or five days. And a lot of people thought he was saying things that hurt the president. He made reference to the possibility of Michael Cohen paying off other potential uh, non-disclosure, uh, other women with non-disclosure agreements and payments, which he had no proof of one way or the other. He just said that he wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. He also uh, said a number of things about the payments to Stormy Daniels and the relationship, financial relationship between Trump and Cohen, which many people who are Trump supporters said, you know, you're digging a big hole here, not only for, uh, this, for yourself, but for President Trump. So this article, again, from CNN, it's, it's on the front of Drudge right now, it just popped up, and, uh, it goes on to say, a lack of indictment would not necessarily mean the president is in the clear. Mueller could issue a report making referrals or recommendations to the House of Representatives. The inability to indict a sitting president has been the position of the Office of Legal Counsel in the Justice Department since the Nixon administration and reaffirmed in the Clinton administration, but it was never, it has never been tested in court. It had been an open question whether if investigators found potential criminal evidence against Trump, Mueller's team would try to challenge those Justice Department guidelines. CNN reached out to Mueller's team, and they declined to comment. Rod Rosenstein, the attorney, Deputy Attorney General, publicly dismissed, oh, I'm sorry, publicly discussed the issue earlier this month at an event held at the Freedom Forum Institute. He was asked if a sitting president could be indicted, which he answered, I'm not going to answer this in the context of any current matters, so you should not draw any inference about it. Anyway, Giuliani's telling CNN that the special counsel's team has decided that they have to follow those Justice Department rules. There were two, there, there have been two precedents set, legal precedents set. You cannot indict a sitting president, president, uh, 1973 and 2000. Uh, hello, okay. everybody. Uh, so, so the bottom line, that's already been litigated, if you will, once under Nixon, the other under, uh, uh, Clinton. And, uh, there's, there's no way that, uh, that any indictment is going to be had of, of President Donald Trump uh, sitting president. That doesn't mean they won't no. try, though. Well, of course not. But but the bottom line here is it's ridiculous on its face. And, and you've got Mueller that, that is going after uh, Donald Trump. And, and it was, you know, big news, of course, today that, that uh, uh, 
Fusion GPS met with uh, uh, Veselinskaya both before and after the Trump Tower meeting, uh, Glenn Simpson, when, of course, we had talked about this numerous times in the past. It's been reported on Conservative Treehouse. It's been reported everywhere. And, and this is not news, by the way. So it's interesting how, how this all is all playing out. And the, the players in this, the operatives in this, are being exposed. So bottom line, Joe, no, they're not going to, they can try all they want, but, but again, two legal precedents, one set in 1973, the other in the year 2000. I've got the notes on this, but they're not, they, they cannot indict a sitting president. Um, well, and that brings us to what yeah. Giuliani's doing, you know, going out on these interviews, talking to reporters, going on, you know, he's, he's toned it down since he uh, first came on the scene as Trump's attorney, but is he doing more harm than good? That's the question many no. are asking. No, 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 no. Okay. I, I don't. I mean, that's my personal opinion. And you, you need a bulldog out there. You need someone protecting the president. You need someone running interference. And that's that's what I think Giuliani is doing. And I think that it's it's good. Now, a couple of things with respect to this. Um, uh, when you're looking at this this process, um, you've got to understand. And I think people need to understand that that what Mueller is attempting to do and, and is still attempting to do, regardless of what other people think, is is disrupt the forward movement of President Donald Trump, obviously, and indict people surrounding Donald Trump to get at Donald Trump. We've seen this template work out, play out since day one. So uh, you're, you're going after people like Hunter Page and, and Papadopoulos. I'm going to tell you one thing, one person right now, watch and listen for the name Stefan Helper. This guy is plays an integral role in, in everything we're seeing play out. I don't know. I, I talked about this on my morning show a couple of days ago, I think last Friday. Um, he's the unnamed, I believe, the unnamed person in this. So, anyway. But but with respect to Mueller and indictments, no. Okay, we, and and we, by we, the way, high crimes and misdemeanors. The Constitution only calls for impeachment for presidents uh, for, of a president if, if they are uh, ind- indicted for high crimes and Misdemeanors, and right? If you look at the definition, well, collusion. It, where does collusion well, fall on there, that? There on is that no crime collusion. List. Collusion is not a crime. No, I know, I know. Okay, and that's why it's funny because you see, they started with the collusion. They moved to obstruction of justice, and if Mueller has known this all along, these guidelines, and has intended to to follow them, then you know what is what is all this uh, circus for from him and his team? What what? It's, or it's is it the media? disruption and disruption? Is it the media? It's both. It's both. Look, Mueller was put in position by who? By Rod Rosenstein. Why? As a consequence of the Comey leaks, correct? Okay. I think we can all, we can all agree on that. So, uh, so Rosenstein appointed Mueller to be special counsel under, and and people use independent counsel and special prosecutor and special counsel interchangeably when, when in fact there's, there's differences, subtle differences there. But Mueller is the special counsel. And of course, he was to investigate. His mandate was to investigate the inter- Russian interference in the 2016 election. And it's interesting; it was only several days after his initial appointment when Rosenstein issued a clarification memo to Mueller. And people need to need to know this: Mueller was installed, and I think four days later, or a few days later after his his placement as the special prosecutor or special uh counsel then he was then uh, given the uh more honed instructions by Rosenstein because of the sessions recusal 
but the bottom line here in in this whole thing is the fact that that um the uh uh the Mueller probe is designed to well let me put this code name crossfire hurricane well okay they couldn't get yeah they they could not get Donald Trump before the election and remember think back to the election remember Hollywood coming out and uh running these ads on television directly speaking to the electorates saying vote your conscience remember that you got to think back mm-hmm. okay vote your conscience and don't don't cast your electoral ballot for Donald Trump they tried everything in their power to keep him out of office failing that of course they had what is referenced, but I don't believe this to be the, the entire truth, the insurance policy, and that's the insurance policy was the dossier slash collusion, which exceeds in any way, uh, Mueller's mandate. But aside from that, um, now with the Russian story, the collusion, the meddling, and the, and by, by the way, Mueller has far exceeded his mandate. And, and I think that we're seeing the, uh, the Flynn indictment. I think we're seeing that. The unraveling, it, it, it okay, has unraveled. even though his he, ple- he pled guilty because essentially they held a gun to his head, metaphorically speaking. But they, they won't let him to the guy go through sentencing. They won't let that deal be finalized. They've postponed correct, that correct, at least twice now, I believe. Right. So we're going to see that unravel. We're going to see a lot of things. The 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 Mueller indictment of of the Russians that was a phony indictment at its face. Uh, they didn't expect the, uh, the Russian presence to, to show up, and in fact they did, which is almost hilarious if it wasn't so tragic. And, and Mueller's forced to come up with some documentation. So, all of this combined, this is a coup that's still taking place. It's still being funded. It's being funded by Obama and Clinton, in my view, uh, assets for both Obama and Clinton. But others, and then we find out in the Tech intelligence. Numbers. No, no, this is privately funded. You're talking about fifty fifty million dollars. Oh, you're talking about into, the, the continuation of the uh, dossier from okay. pretty much that in in the that and there, there's other. If you follow the money, you'll you'll find that this whole thing is is nothing but a uh, an attempt to uh, unseat Donald Trump. And uh, but 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 what what people need to really pay attention. Is the 2020 elections because right now the left is going full Marxist for the 2020 or for the midterms. I'm sorry, not the 2020, the 2020 for certain, but the midterms as well. They're going full Marxist. Um, I should I, I should throw both in there. There was an article from the Washington Examiner, I think it was today or yesterday, talking about full Marxist for the 2020 elections. Mm-hmm. And then of course you had uh, the you have they got the midterms where they want to unseat the the Republican majority, of course, which probably is not going to happen. Uh, there is really no blue wave that, uh, to speak of, in, at least in my view. And, and then. Not onward. in the Senate, no. I'm not or, sure. About or even, that. I, I don't, I don't think it, I think it would be, a, I think it'd be hard pressed even in the House. Now, um, so, so all of this combined, and I, I really would, uh, you know, again, the, the headlines with collusion, fusion GPSs, uh, Glenn Simpson then dined with Russian lawyer before and after a meeting at Trump Tower. Look, we've known this, um, the, some of the headlines. We've known about the, uh, uh, we've known about Stefan Halper. We've known about the, uh, about the, uh, the, uh, the FISA court, uh, FISA court abuse. We've known about the, 
uh, FISA court, uh, the unmasking, the, the, um, and then the leaks, all of this criminal activity on the side of the Clinton slash Obama holdovers and the Clinton supporters. Now people ask, and I'm going to toss this out there. People are saying, you know, people are impatient for arrests. And, um, do you, how many people out there remember the OJ Simpson trial? Okay. Obviously pretty much anyone that was alive remembers it, right? I remember that very Just well. Just think about this. What did the defense do? What did the O.J. Simpson defense do? What was one of their tactics? Well, they discredited the police officers. Uh, yeah, but right out of the gate. I'm, I'm going to tell you what. No, right out of the gate what they did was they demanded a trial right now. Okay. Uh, there, there's a when, when a person is charged with a crime, there's a time when you go before the judge and... They set a trial date, and basically the the defense or the prosecution could say, "All right, we we want a trial date on this date, or you know after this date." Or the judge asks the prosecution and defense, you know, they they attempt to like come to an agreement, but the defense in the O.J. Simpson trial, and you can go back and look at this, they wanted uh, they wanted to go to trial right away, right away, right away, right now. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And that's what and you know, it, right so choice. okay now. That was part, now I'm not going to say that was the entire reason why O.J. Simpson got off, but that was part of the reason to destabilize the prosecution. Think about this in terms of the deep state, the complexities of what we're seeing today. What's the, People are so impatient for arrests. All right, you, you got to understand that there's the investigation, the indictment, the, or the charges, in some cases an indictment or, or the charges. Uh, and then the trial. Okay, so you've got to have your stuff together, especially when you're talking about crimes of this magnitude, crimes against the state, or crimes against the nation, as the black hats will be charged with, as people who work for the Clinton and Obama camps. So I just want to urge everyone, be patient, because in this case, you know, where are the arrests? Why is it taking so long? Just think of the O.J. Simpson trial. All right, and I understand there, that. So just just have patience on that. My question though is, why are some of these people still working at the highest levels of government with their security clearances? In some cases, I believe, and, and this this is my own personal belief, that the people who are still working for the FBI, the security clearances come with the job. All right, now if they're still working and have that job, they would have a security clearance. But think about this: there is an administrative. Uh, Okay, if you're working for the FBI or Department of Justice, you are under an administrative uh, contract, for lack of a better word. They can hold you administratively responsible and uh, force compliance. For example, if, if you are working at the FBI and you are being looked at for potential uh, conspiracy, okay, uh, for whatever it might be, or falsifying 302s, or whatever the case might be. It's better to have them at that position within the FBI or Department of Justice, because once they're out of that, then, of course, let's just say that they quit, or they're fired. Well, they can, they're, they're not bound, obviously they've got nothing to lose at that point. Nope. Their pension, whatever, they've got nothing to lose. They can, they can look at the Department of Justice uh, investigators or the Inspector General or whatever. They're outside of the purview of the Inspector General, which is why Huber was brought in, 
But they can also say to the investigator, well, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to think of F you basically, okay? I'm not going to cooperate. But if you're still within the FBI or Department of Justice, administer, there are administrative actions that can be taken to compel you to cooperate. So those people who are still in the FBI or Department of Justice, I believe, are cooperating, at least at a, a certain level. So think about that. That's that's all. That's really all I'm going to say about that. Um, and I think we I think we saw that with who was the most recent person to be dismissed from either the FBI or Department of Justice? The Struck okay. Page. Okay. No, no. Um, I think it was Page that that left. Yeah, she she okay. resigned. Uh, she wasn't forced out or anything like that. She resigned. All right, but at that point, okay, she's she she's no longer bound by the administrative confines of, of her position and of the Department of Justice. Now, so there's a lot to be said for that. Isn't she still bound by the confidentiality? Uh, well, the and everything she she had uh, access to under the security to? clearance. Right. Sure, sure, but but. That that aside, um, it's better to have someone in the admin. It's better to have someone cooperating in the position within the Department of Justice and the FBI, where they're told to sit down. And, and the Conservative Treehouse Sundance talks about this. We wrote about this. Basically, they're, they're, they're saying, "Okay, we got you. We got you. We got you. We got you. You want your pension? You want to stay out of jail? Here's here's what you do. You sit there and you shut up until we tell you to talk." And you're going to cooperate. And if you don't cooperate, then you go to jail. It's simple as that. And that's what I think is happening with, with the people who are still at DOJ and FBI at those levels. Because don't forget, we're waiting on the OIG's report. We're waiting on John, uh, on, on the, uh, the Huber part of this. We've seen this delayed a few times. We've seen the reasons for the delay being, well, there are, um, some additional extraneous uh, investigations that are being completed. And I do think that this is part of that. I think that that um, this is a result, of the delays are a result of the cooperation as opposed to anything else. So just, I, I would urge patience on this. Period. Just patience. And and think back to, you know, even if you, if you want, again, think back to the O.J. Simpson uh, trial. Uh, people want to rush to prosecution. This, this is not a television show. This, this crimes right, don't get solved right. in an hour, and, and the deep state had fifty years, a hundred years, to to root itself in. This generation or this iteration of the deep state had really a generation. It had twelve, fourteen, twenty-five years to ingrade itself into the the government. Since you're not going to, yeah, you're not going to get it out in a, in, in a year. I mean, Donald Trump's been president for less than five hundred days. You could get it out in a year, but not. Relying on Donald Trump, we would all have to literally uh, quit our jobs and get involved on a on a very active level, and that would still take a long time. Right. So I would urge everyone just to be patient. I, I do see arrests and indictments coming down the pike, especially with the release of the OIG report. Uh, now, here's the thing: don't get don't think that this is going to be the be all and end all when the OIG report comes out. I think that once that comes out, it's going to be more of a barometer. Um, it's going to be indict, it's going to, certainly going to be an indictment of numerous people within the DOJ and the FBI. But, 
it's not, I don't think it's going to be the, uh, the bombshell or it's, it's going to be a bombshell, but I don't think it's going to, uh, demand, uh, indictments right away. I think it's going to point to the criminality and expose the criminality from which then the, the White Hats can take this and say, okay, we're going to, uh, we're going to further the investigation and, and perhaps indict, you know, Comey or, or whoever it might be. They need to go back and but, indict Hillary Clinton. Well, they're well, at it. Well, yeah, I mean, and I, and I, yeah, and, and, but, but imagine the case that would have to be made for Hillary Clinton. And because think, think too, think back with the, with, with what the FBI did. When you've got a tainted case, which this was, when the FBI comes in and they change 302s, they, 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 they don't have the original, for example, if you're talking about the server, they don't have the original server. The DNC never, uh, or Hillary Clinton, uh, Bleach bit the server. Uh, she just destroyed devices. She did everything. The FBI, through Peter Strzok, cooperated with Clinton, with Heather uh, Samuelson and Cheryl Mills. They invoked attorney-client privilege where there shouldn't have been any. So the investigation itself was was compromised initially. So to reconstruct that, it's nearly impossible for a uh, a federal investigative body to to really to really go back and fix what they did. So, uh, with respect to Clinton, you know, boy, that, that that's a job and a half. But but certainly Samuelson and, and, uh, yeah. and Cheryl Mills and others. So I just be patient. Point. But you know, you know they it, it, it's come out that they wrote her exoneration before interviewing her. They well, of course covered they it up. You know, changed the language from uh, gross negligence to extreme carelessness. Right. Right. They even reopened the investigation because they were forced to because of what happened with the classified information on the Anthony Weiner laptop that was confiscated by the NYPD. So I guess I, there is grounds for them to do that, but you know that's we got to deal with what's in front of us, what's in the here and now. And thankfully, Hillary Clinton is not that, so uh, you know she can ride off in, into the sunset. But I, the IG report will provide a greater. Uh, give us greater insight into this, you know, puzzle that we're looking at. Look, I'm not, yeah, and I just want to make it clear. I'm not making excuses. I'm just, I'm just telling, giving you a, a dose of reality here, but I do see light at the end of the tunnel. I do see indictments. Uh, you're listening to the Hagman Report. Uh, gonna be right back. Stay right where you're at, right after the network break. Welcome back to this edition of the Hagman Report. It is Wednesday, May 16th, 2018. Well, thank you for joining joining us. Thanks so much for your belief and trust in us. I uh, just want to say, assalamu alaikum. Yeah, the Islamophobic industry spends an average of $53 million each year to smear Islam and to prevent Muslims from practicing their faith in the United States. This is according to CARE. They're having a fundraiser. I've got a lot to say on this, but not now. Um, it's it's interesting the um, uh, the full court press that care and the uh, 
front groups for the Muslim Brotherhood are, are doing what they're doing here in America, and, and it's a sin. The uh, access they have, and we're going to talk with Fritzu Bots about that. Yeah. Uh, but one thing I did not mention in the first segment that I think is really important that we're not seeing reported anywhere else, we saw the death count in the Gaza protest, Gaza-Israel protest, on Monday, I think it reached 62 with uh, over 2,000 injured. Do you see what Hamas said today? They're, they're not protests. Hamas said they're, they're terrorists. They're all terrorists. Yeah, 50 of, of them were, were of terrorists. Course. Of course. And we need to treat them as such and, and refer to them as such. Okay. Uh, we, 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 we got to take our language back. It, it, okay. Period. We just have to take our language in, in all of this, all avenues back. So I don't want to cut into our time, the time of our guest. We have with us Greg Jackson. Oh, we don't have him. All right. Eric the Tech is, by the way, Eric Tech's under the weather a little bit. Uh, hopefully I'll feel better here soon. By the way, um, I'm going to be hosting InfoWars tomorrow, fourth hour. Tune into that if you want. That's InfoWars yeah. tomorrow, fourth hour. Um, and yeah. I got to say, when we're, when we leave the studio, the fourth hour is on because they just put Jones's show on our local, uh, yeah. Fox affiliate. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a great hour. The guest, I love the guest host from, Salente to Rappaport to, I mean, everybody he brings in, uh, Lionel, Roger Stone. It's really, uh, it, it's a good change of pace for, for InfoWars. And- but, but, you know, look, we have to, and, and that brings me to another issue. You know, you were talking about censorship during the break, and, and we, we have to stick together. All of us stick together in the new media, in the honest media. We have to back one another up. Look, we don't all have to agree with each other. We don't have to agree with what we, if we've got minor Differences. We don't have to agree a hundred percent, but what we have to do is be supportive of one another and be supportive of our rights, their rights, anyone's rights to say what the, what they're saying. The censorship aspect here is getting so far out of control. But you know what? This is all part of the. We t- we told you this was going to going to be happening. Now it's happening, and it's only going to get worse. So, folks, buckle in, support the people that you listen to, that you believe in. We will be supportive of our colleagues in this industry, of course, and supportive of their rights to talk. And, uh, okay, so he's not on yet? No, we're going right. to try to bring him on by phone instead. All right. Yeah. yeah hope, uh, so anyway, so I just want to mention that because it, it's really getting bad out there and, and it's going, it's only going to get worse. You, you're going to see complete censorship uh, of all conservative media outlets on, on Facebook, Twitter, uh, beyond what you're seeing today, even and and it's worse because Donald Trump is in office because he's not controlling the obviously the uh, and, and can't control at the moment the the people within Silicon Valley, the slithering snakes they're in. So uh, the the more the information about things like Mueller, the 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 the, the actual conspiracy on the Hillary Clinton side and Obama side, mm-hmm. the more that comes out, the more they have to fight for the censorship because they can't afford that to get out. Especially with the midterms coming up, and um, that's it's not, exactly right. It's not too far, not too far away. So, and you know, the Gateway pundit picked up on uh, and actually put it in the proper context. What the New York Times could not do confirmed: deep state FBI spied on Trump's camp using informant, obtained Trump campaign phone records through secret subpoena. Crossfire Hurricane was the name of the operation. It opened into the Trump campaign 100 days before the president election five agents from strauk with five agents including strauk traveled to london in the summer of 2016 to interview with the diplomat after papadopoulos's drunken claim let me tell you 502 pages were released by senator johnson 
of the struck page text from 2015 through 2017. I went through them, and I got to tell you, the redactions were ridiculous. But, but, but that that points. Okay, so uh, there's a PDF, 502 pages of stru- uh, page struck text. You want your eyes to? You, I, I want to gouge my eyes out. Uh, I mean, seriously. Um, but when you look at when you look at the text. It's incredible. Uh, the, the, the conspiracy behind this. And, and, and you were saying about the, um, uh, about the meetings and such. Again, keep yeah. your, okay, remember the name Stefan Helper. Remember that name. That's going to show up. And, and also remember Devin Nunes, who is under attack again and still they want to put Devin Nunes in the timeout, uh, consider the fact that they're trying to, uh, uh, that Devin Nunes is into phase two of his, of his expose. And of course, going after the, the Department of State officials. Remember Evelyn Farkas, who spilled her guts on Morning Joe, uh, not to, I guess it was in March of 2017, admitting, of course, the tactics of the Obama people. We have our guest with us, uh, Greg Jackson. So I don't want to waste uh, yeah, any, any uh, of his time. Let's bring him on. Greg Jackson, he's the author of a number of books, including his latest, 40 Rules to Help Boys Become Men. Greg, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. Hey, guys. Sorry I messed up the Skype. I am terrible with technology. It's worked in the past. I hit the video button. So my apologies. No problem. We're glad that's that you're all here. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll take we'll take you. If we can't see you, we can hear you, and that's all that matters. So uh, how's it going, my friend? One of these days, I'm going to get out there to Pennsylvania and come in studio and surprise you guys. Then, then, then all the technical difficulties will be moot. There, there you go. We we need you in studio, and and we'll open the studio up to you, of course. And I'll bring Gunner too. There you go. There you go. Lady, the studio <laughs> dog is here somewhere. That's right, yeah. and she enjoy that. So, uh, yeah, okay. Well, thank thank you well, for having me on, guys. It's been a while. It has. In fact, I was thinking of you this past week. Uh, I think it was Sunday or Saturday. No, it was Saturday. I was thinking about you and wondering how you were doing and, uh, what are you focused on? What's, what's got your attention with all the things taking place right now? And, uh, Greg Jackson, of course, a, a, a man who's appeared on, had his own show, appeared on numerous other shows, an author, exceptional author. And, uh, well, tell us what's on your mind. Well, you know, um, and by the way, I think this is nine years I've been coming on your show. I've lost count of how many appearances, but I kind of, I, I think that I was, you know, right at the beginning days when you guys started. I think it was around nine years ago. So um, I, uh, I consider I'd go myself kind of part of the seven. family. Maybe it was okay. Yeah, no, seven. Around there. Seven. Yeah, 2011, I believe. Right, Joe? 2011, but you were doing a lot of radio interviews and appearances for the years leading up to that on Yeah. Uh, you know, Lori Roth and Tom Byerly and a number of other ones. Coast and stuff. But yeah, but yeah, we've been, yeah. we've been doing this. Yeah. So it's been a long time, but you're, you're one of our long, long time friends. We're, we're, we're family. We're family. Yeah, there you go. That's right. But you know, I, I was listening to what you guys were saying in, in the first segment and I, I really enjoyed what you, what you had to say about, you know, Alex Jones, I guess is on the same channel you guys are on one of the channels and to support him and listen to him and and that we really do need to stop bashing each other and and uh you know finding fault and 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 i you know mocking and scoffing i guess 
and really just try to extend grace to one another as much as possible where we differ on issues that aren't fundamental to the faith. And so I enjoyed that, and because to me, I mean, we could, we, you could spend your entire show talking about little minute issues that that you know agree with other libertarians, Christians, conservatives, you know, whatever you know you want to refer to them as. You know, you could that could be the your, your whole show, and Satan would like nothing more than for us to divide on those peripheral issues, but. I always say, you know, let's try to have a 30,000-foot view. I know that that's what you guys think as well. Let's try to get the big picture, and let's try to extend grace and charity to one another where we disagree on those other issues. And, you know, so I I totally agree with you because, you know, Trump, as an example, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about the 70th anniversary of Israel. You know, I think that we as as conservatives and Christians have fallen into the trap of either let's let's use Trump as an example. He's he's either Cyrus. You know, I was talking to Coach Dave earlier today, and we had a great discussion about this. And I'm going to steal one of his analogies in a second here, but um, I, I hopefully will encourage your audience to have the big picture view in mind and to be heavenly minded. And Trump is an example. You know, some people say he's Cyrus. You know, he's God's chosen man. And, of course, God does choose our presidents. He chooses our kings. He holds the the hearts of kings and directs their hearts. That's what the Bible says. Romans 13 says that God is sovereign. God chooses our leaders. And so, yes, God did allow Donald Trump to be president, I believe, as a temporary respite, as an, as an opportunity to, uh, to, to give us time to, uh, you know, stop the, the globalist New World Order, time to repent, time to get right, uh, time to expose the, the, the evil deeds of darkness, time for the church to get more involved. And, you know, I don't want to make a blanket statement as to how much any of that has occurred over the past couple of years. Uh, but And then there's the other side, Joe and Doug, that, that say, oh, Trump is the Antichrist. Trump is, you know, really working for the New World Order globalists and their agenda. And, you know, they, they've planned this for 35 years to have him be president and that he's going to usher in the, the peace treaty, uh, the false peace treaty with Israel. And, you know, so you have people on both sides. But I say it's I don't believe it's one or the other. I believe again, in, in the spirit of extending grace, that we see through a glass dimly, the, the Bible says, we don't see God's total plan in its totality. And so, uh, you know, we could, get, we could get caught up in arguing whether Trump is the Antichrist or Trump is God's man for the job and, you know, a messianic figure, as a lot of people in Israel uh, think he is right now by recognizing Jerusalem to be the capital, which it's always been the capital. But I think that we should, we should rise above it and we should have a bigger picture, the big picture view, and be more heavenly-minded through all of this and kind of what's on my radar guys is that look yes obviously there's a lot of significance with what just occurred in jerusalem and we know that prophetically uh jerusalem is going to be the centerpiece 
of all of the world's events. Zechariah 12 says that Jerusalem will become the focus of the world. That is being played out right now. It's not something in the future. It's happening right now. Isaiah 17 says that Damascus will be destroyed overnight and that it will be a heap of ruins. That is on the verge of occurring. Ezekiel 38 and 39 says that Russia, Iran, and uh, a Turkish-led coalition will attack Israel. Well, all of those things are about to take place, I believe, and will take place, because God cannot lie. All of his prophetic timetable events always come to pass, so we know that those things are going to come to pass. But where where I get frustrated, and I was talking to Coach Dave earlier about that, is that we can focus on, you know, is the rapture going to be tomorrow? Is, you know, when's the Antichrist going to come on the scene? Uh, when are all these things going to happen? And yet God has specifically instructed us to not be preoccupied with tomorrow. He said that tomorrow will have enough worries of its own and to live in the, in the day. He, he says that today is the day of salvation. And so I hopefully will encourage your listeners and I kind of made a list, if if it's okay, I, that of 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 scriptures of of kind of practical things that I believe that we should be focused on in these last days, because well, we don't know when the rapture is going to take place. We don't know when the uh, Isaiah 17 prophecy is going to be fulfilled. It, it might be in our lifetime. It might not be for the next 10 or 20 years. We just don't know, and. If we did know, by the way, then we'd be God, and we wouldn't need to have faith, but we're not. We were called to endure to the end, to occupy, and to work, and to not be too distracted. And, Coach, i got to give you uh, true uh, credit for this, uh, because Coach referred to them as the signs. Like when you're going down the highway and you see all these exit signs, we can be distracted by all of these, and they're not necessarily peripheral events, but we could, you know, you, you see on YouTube all these videos of people saying they're having dreams and visions, and I'm not doubting that those things happen, by the way. I think we have to be very, very careful and to rightly divide the Word of God and to match uh, those dreams and visions up with God's Word, but ultimately God's Word transcends dreams and visions, in my opinion. But we can be, I think, preoccupied with when is He coming? You know, is, is it going to be today? Is it, is it going to be? Is, is the church going to be raptured on Pentecost? As some are saying, is it? You know, was it the? You know, some were saying it was the 70th anniversary. And when we do that, I believe we we lose track, we lose focus of the majors we major in the minors instead of majoring in the majors and and i believe that when we do that we can get off the straight and narrow path that god has called us to walk on and when we do that we can miss out on opportunities to be a blessing to others to have god work through us with all those that he puts in our path and so do you, you guys mind if i just give you a quick example of something that happened to me yesterday sure. Go for it. So yesterday I'm walking my dog, Gunner, <laughs> and we're walking down the street, and all of a sudden I hear, Greg! And it was my neighbor three doors down, and she's an elderly woman, and her father, who is in his 80s, recently passed away from Sweden. Dear guy, I used to go there to their house because he, when he fell, she had a tough time 
getting him up off the ground, and she was sick and tired of calling, you know, the paramedics. And they were probably sick and tired of getting those calls. But long story short is that he died, and she was crying, and she had all of these things that she wanted to to share with me in terms of, you know, personal things. You could tell she was just overwhelmed. Her her brother wanted her to pay rent for the house that she was living in that, that belonged to the father. She didn't know where she was going to live that would take her dog. And she was just totally shaken up. And the Holy Spirit was just nudging me, pray for her, ask if you can pray for her. And by the way, that's not an always an easy thing to do is to say to somebody who you don't know that well, hey, do you mind if I pray for you? But I took the leap of faith and said, would you mind if I prayed for you? And she said, would you? And she was almost like waiting for me to pray for her. And I, I you know, put my arm on her back, my hand on her back and, you know, tried to console her a little bit. And then I just went into prayer. And of course, um, you know, she thinks her, her father is, is in heaven. She's going to see him. And, and I don't know spiritually where he was at, but I wanted to use that as an opportunity to console her, to share God's word with her, and to let her know that God would never leave her nor forsake her. And that, you know, Annie, my wife Annie and I are a couple doors down and we're there to help her whenever she needed it. And she, like all of the peace, you could just see the peace back into her eyes. And, um, what I realized is, by the way, guys, when I was when I was walking Gunner, I was listening to a YouTube video, the X22 report, and I know you've had Sean. It's a it's a great uh, website podcast, and um, it was it was almost like God was showing me, Greg, don't be so caught up in the news and events and what other people are saying, because if you do, you're going to miss out on those people that I put in your path. And it reminded me that no matter where we are, and hopefully this will be an encouragement for your listeners tonight, it doesn't matter where you are. You could be a shut-in living in an apartment. You could be living out in rural America and you know, you're really not that tied into current events or politics or anything like that. Maybe you don't have the platform that Joe and Doug have, uh, but it doesn't matter because we can make a difference individually. And I believe what God is showing me is that we need to, to, to make sure that we stay on the straight and narrow path and not lose focus on what's truly important because if we do if we get caught up in the all the signposts because we know you know uh, that the uh the nephilim are going to come upon the earth we know about chemtrails we know that the globalists and the new world order are going to try to imprison us and censor us we know all these things and we shouldn't be surprised by them it's not to say that we don't talk about it or expose it or fight against it but my what, what the Lord has shown me is that that can preoccupy us and divert our attention away from the things that are truly important. And God told us what, I mean, there's a list of things in the Bible uh, that that I believe are good reminders for us to set our sights on that are truly important. And of course, they come from his word. I made a list of some of them if if you, if, if you don't mind, I was going to share a few of them with Go you guys. It. But what, what do you no. guys what do you guys think of that? I've well, talked yeah, a little too much. Uh, uh, no, no. I, look, I, I think it's important to keep keep abreast of current events, but also we have to look at current events through the prism of biblical prophecy in the Scripture. And those people who don't do that, I believe, are are behind. You know, behind uh, and and the current events don't make any sense, like the 
move of the embassy. It doesn't make any sense uh, in in many political in a strictly political sense. But when you look at it through the prism of, of scripture and biblical prophecy, it most certainly does, and it validates a lot what the Bible says. So, in the larger sense, you're talking about what's important. In the larger sense, we have to keep our eyes, you know, on the on the big picture, and the big picture is, of course, the um, biblical. Well, you know, yeah, our faith and, our faith, and yeah. what the scriptures say we need to because, do in these times. Yeah, we we can't squander our time. Uh, just merely speaking about uh, earthly events, we have to incorporate and infuse the spiritual aspect, like you're doing. So, well, go you, for it. Yeah, and you'll find that Jesus didn't spend too much time debating a lot of these issues with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, you know, the, the politicians, the, 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 the lawyers and the scribes in his day. He got right to the heart of the matter. And the, the heart of the matter is that people need Jesus. And we need to get as many people in the ark as possible and never, you know, knowing for sure when the Lord's return will be, and just being thankful for today and using our time wisely and numbering our days wisely. So here's here's a couple of things that I'd like to share, which will hopefully, I got on a little late, so I know we're, we only have a few minutes, but here's a couple of things that uh, from the scriptures that hopefully will encourage your listeners today and maybe focus all of our attention on what God says is important. And um, here's, here's a couple of them. Um, number one, Colossians 1 tells us, increase in the knowledge of God. Uh, Colossians 3 says, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Walking in the law of the Lord, Psalm 119 says this. Says, Philippians 2 says, Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Uh, Hebrews 12 says, Don't allow a root of bitterness to spring up in your life. That's one that I have to remember uh, in, in my life, dealing with certain situations. Here's one from Psalm 1. Meditate on the law of the Lord day and night, and you will be blessed. Galatians 5 says, Walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. First Peter 2, Be holy in your conduct. Uh, Philippians 1, verse 9, Let your love abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. That was Paul's prayers for prayer for the church of Philippi. Um, aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs so that you may walk properly before others and be dependent on no one. First Thessalonians 4. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Hebrews 13.5. Fear God and keep his commandments. Ecclesiastes 12.13. Here's a big one, Joe and Doug, that I need to remember on a daily basis. Confess your sins, for he is just to forgive us our sins sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I want to say to your listeners, don't keep beating yourself up when you sin. He is faithful to forgive your sins and cleanse you. Get right back on the path. He's not holding it against you. Uh, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12.2. If you're not in the Word, the, I can tell you this, the more I'm in the Word, the more peace I have in my heart. The more I'm able to deal with adversity in my life. 
the more clearly I can see what's going on in the world, the more I can hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Romans 8:28 and this is for all those who are struggling right now. Know that those who love God, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, it is going to work out. Keep trusting in the Lord. And then Proverbs 22:6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart. I see on screen you have my book 40 rules to help boys become men, and that's the predecessor to 40 things you can teach your children before you die. Hey, listen, one of the things that we can do practically right now is to just teach our kids God's Word. We can teach them how to love one another by showing them these lost rules and manners of etiquette that we, Doug that, and Joe, that you learned, that we learned growing up, that the kids really aren't being taught these days. But these are all practical things that we can actually do right now on a daily basis. And the most important thing, guys, that Jesus said in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And that, my friends, is what our primary mission is on this earth, is to go and make disciples, so that going is an active, participatory, it's a command. Jesus says, go, do it, don't be afraid, make disciples, uh, share the gospel, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. That, I believe, is our primary purpose and mission on this life, and my prayer is that we don't lose sight of that, and that Amen. we're encouraged by that. What do you guys Amen, think? Amen, Greg. You're absolutely right, and we are out of time. Don't even have time Perfect for timing. a response. Perfect timing. That, <laughs> that's no. beautiful. Beautiful, for, instructive. Yeah. Thank you. Instructive. This is what Thanks we for need. having me on, guys. Love you, man. All right. God bless you, Greg. Greg Jackson, of course. Go to gregjackson.com. It's linked off of in our program description, and and get get both get his books. Very instructive for for your children, for you, for for everything. Uh, love Greg Jackson. Words of Wisdom. Network break. Going to be right back with Chris Kabatz. Hey, welcome back to this edition of the Hagman Report. It is Wednesday, May 16th, 2018. And um, just that was fantastic. Greg Jackson, of course, uh, gregjackson.com, 2G's on Greg. Uh, you know, the bigger picture of what we've, what, what we're doing here. And, and I, I, I like this show, the Hagman Report, because I think we're kind of a hybrid, if you will, uh, infusing the spiritual and really bracketing the geopolitical and political with the spiritual to give a good balance and good sense of really what's going on. And, and exposing the greater evil, not just the political evil, not the surface level evil, but the greater evil. And, and that's what I think distinguishes this show, uh, based on the emails that, that we get from other programs of, of this type. So, very interesting as well. And coming up is going to be Chris Gabatz. And of course, he was the subject of, uh, Muslim Mafia. He's got a brand new initiative. It's, uh, he's the president of the Rare RAIR Foundation USA. And he's going to be talking about that and about uh, what I said earlier about this this push, this Islamophobia Inc. by CARE and by Al Jazeera and stuff. 
in the United States and all Western countries. So it's going to be an engaging hour. Now, before we get to our guest, I want to mention HelloFresh. Have you, have you heard of HelloFresh? I hope you have and remember it from me talking about HelloFresh.com. HelloFresh is a meal delivery service that shops, it plans, it delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. Now look, my wife and I use this service, we love this service because we don't like to spend time shopping. The meals are planned out for us, everything is pre-measured, it's, it's, everything is just super fresh, there's no waste, and, and it's absolutely phenomenally delicious. Um, there is something for everyone with HelloFresh, their selection. They've got three plans to choose from. You can choose the classic veggie and family. Each box is made up of fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients from carefully selected farms and high-rated trusted sources. This is why we love this. Each week there's a 20-minute meal on the classic menu for when you really don't have more time than that to cook. You know, you can rediscover the excitement of cooking. Look forward to your HelloFresh delivery knowing dinner just got that much easier. And at the Hagman household, my wife and I, boy, we, we love to cook together, we love to eat together, and we love the convenience of this. And HelloFresh believes that cooking should be simple and convenient, not a chore. And they make it so simple for you. All of the ingredients come in pre-measured, handy, labeled kits, so you know which ingredients go with which recipe. You won't spend all night in the kitchen because recipes only take, like I said, around 30 minutes or so. And there are so many benefits of subscribing. So you can keep enjoying HelloFresh week after week after week. And let me tell you something. We're hooked on this. It saves us so much time. I really want every listener, every every viewer out there to try HelloFresh.com. Now, now listen, here's... It, by the way, the account... Your account is so easy to manage with the ability to choose your delivery date to match your ever-changing schedule. You can pause deliveries for when you're on vacation and so on. So this is this is the meal service for you. Now, here's the deal. All right, listen up. Uh, oh, I just want to say this: uh, we had just a terrific meal, and every meal that we've had through HelloFresh has been absolutely delicious. But uh, one. They're gourmet meals, by the way, and and it's it's like we're 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 able to cook gourmet meals. My wife and I, without the experience, you know, without the culinary experience, we just uh, this weekend we had uh, uh, we had this magnificent beef stir fry. It was one of the most delicious dishes I've ever ever had. Uh, Joe was talking about the, what was it, the cherry drizzled, uh, yesterday, cherry drizzled pork, pork chops, chops is yeah. what, uh, we cooked because Renee, uh, she's been cooking these meals nonstop. We eat them oh, all the time fantastic. here at the studio. She brings them to the studio and, uh, she had too much meal, too many meals. So she said, Hey, you want to take one home? You, you, uh, and Laura want to cook one. I said, absolutely. We did it and, and it was great. You know, it's it just, it's fantastic. Now here's, here's, what they've done for the listening audience and the viewing audience of the Hagman Report. Here's the deal. You can get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. Just go to HelloFresh.com slash Hagman30. That's H-A-G-M-A-N-N-3-0. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com slash Hagman30 and enter the promo code Hagman30. Okay? That's all you got to remember. HelloFresh.com slash Hagman30, promo code 
Hagman 30. I got to tell you, you, you're going to thank me because uh, (laughs) everything is so fresh. It's convenient. This is a time saver and one of the best investments that, that uh, we have made. By the way, we're actually saving money using this. My wife and I used to cut coupons and we still do. But I've got to tell you, using this meal kit delivery service, we've found ourselves saving money. And my wife, she budgets everything, let me tell you. Uh, and she's very, very, very tight with them, you know, very uh, on point with the money. So we found ourselves actually saving money with HelloFresh.com. So HelloFresh.com slash Hagman30. Enter the promo code Hagman34, $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. You won't be disappointed. In fact, I've got a couple of pictures, I think, that of me in the HelloFresh apron floating around out there that, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it might be on our social networking feed, but it's, it's really good. So please support our sponsors. Support those who support us. And of course, HelloFresh is just that company. It's delicious. And we got half an army to feed here every night and it does the trick and we're never disappointed. That's for no, sure. No, that's, that's, that's for sure. Now, Chris Kabatz, he's an interesting guy. You see this with some issues, uh, connecting. So. Okay. All right. We're, we're going to get him on. But one of the books, uh, post 9-11 that really opened my eyes, especially the undercover operation, you know about Council on American Islamic Relations, right? You all know about that. This book, Muslim Mafia. Now, Chris Kabatz, this book really is about his undercover operation and what he found out about CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations. Well, now Chris Kabatz has uh, a new initiative. He's currently the president of RARE, R-A-I-R, the RARE Foundation, USA, and what that is, that's a grassroots activist organization leading the movement to protect and reclaim America from the network of individuals and organizations waging war on our Constitution, on our borders, and our, on our Judeo-Christian values. I cannot thank Chris Kabatz enough. And let me tell you something. The Council on American Islamic Relations just came out. I just got this in my inbox. Actually, I've got, well, I, I won't say uh, it's uh, I, I get mailings from various entities. This, what the Council on American Islamic Relations has done, is they are promoting the heck out of Islam uh, Islamophobia Inc. It's a alleged forty-eight minute documentary on how anti-Muslim bias is now infiltrating, has infiltrated all of America. And really all of what the, all of the West, but specifically America. Think about this. They're blaming Donald Trump. They're blaming Donald Trump supporters. They're blaming you and I for this anti-Muslim bias. The, they're claiming the Islamophobia industry. That includes you and I. They spend an average of $53 million each year to smear Islam and to prevent Muslims from practicing their faith in the United States. Did you hear what I just said? They spend the, millions of dollars. The, this is this is care. This is the the okay. Yeah, the fifty three. They're accusing us, the Islamophobia industry, of spending an average of fifty three million dollars each year to smear Islam and to prevent Muslims from practicing their faith in the United States. And okay, they are right now. Now think about this. When Chris Kabatz comes on, think about this. According to CARE, they they say we have 
a $5 million fundraising goal. This Ramadan, to defend the rights of Muslims and to promote greater understanding of Islam. Wait a second. CARE, $5 million? Let's talk to Chris Kabatz about CARE, the unindicted co-conspirator in the Holy Land Foundation. All right. And, of course, CARE goes on to say, Islamophobia has never been as prevalent as it is today. Everyone in our community can feel it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and I could I could read this. I'm not going to read read this whole thing, but uh, uh, here it is, right here. Uh, there. Okay. Uh, yesterday in Congress, we offered a briefing. This is Care talking now. On Care has just released one of its kind report. You can say that again on Muslim civil rights in the United States. That report titled "Targeted." I guess they changed the name from Islamophobia Inc., or that might be a subset of Islamophobia Inc., tells the stories of what thousands of American Muslim families, children, mosques, and Islamic institutions have been going through since the rise of of who? Of Donald Trump. CARES report shows that a 17% increase in the anti-Muslim bias incidents and a 15% increase in hate crimes in 2017 over the previous year. Who do they blame? Donald Trump. Donald Trump supporters. So they're also talking about uh, uh, oh, in, in some of their accomplishments. Care since the day it was announced by the Donald Trump administration, care attorneys filed several lawsuits challenging the unconstitutional Muslim ban. Unconstitutional Muslim ban. Three words that don't belong together in that sentence. First of all, it's very constitutional. Second of all, it's not a Muslim ban. And, of course, the lawsuits, well, you know what the lawfare is all about. Um, CARE exposed a number of anti-Muslim hate groups and key Islamophobic conspiracy theorists so that they could no longer mislead the public, law enforcement agencies, or elected officials. John Brennan, as head of the CIA, Defanged all of the CIA manuals to expunge any, any, any word or any phrase that connects the word Islam or Islamic and terrorism. John Brennan did this. The FBI did this. We have people like Brandon House going out and educating the public, except when they can't. Remember Brandon House coming on and saying, well, we were going to educate the, you know, uh, inform people at the various hotels, had three conferences planned, spent tens of thousands of dollars, and they were canceled. Why? Because of this, because of the complaints, because of the lack of security, because of the threats to the venues. This is increasing more and more. And with us, again, is our guest now. We uh, Apparently we do have him connected. Chris Kabatz, he's among the foremost counterterrorism and jihadi insurgent uh, authorities in the world. Again, he was a subject of, of the book Muslim Mafia. He regularly consults government officials and agencies, policymakers, Fortune 500 companies, citizen groups, places of worship on terrorism strategy, uh, intelligence and fraud investigatory matters. He trains law enforcement on the severity and dangers of the jihad networks here inside the United States. I just want to give a great big warm welcome to Chris Kabatz. Chris, thanks for coming back and joining us on the Hagman Report. Well, 
Thank you for having me on. Glad to do it. Well, you know, we're glad to have you. Um, let's start off. Why don't you start off by talking about your new initiative, rarefoundation.com. That's R-A-I-R, foundation.com. Uh, do you mind telling us a little bit about that initiative? Sure. So, um, you know, as, as many people listening know, I, uh, I was undercover with uh, a Muslim Brotherhood or Hamas group here in the United States called CARE, Council on American Public Relations. And um, I saw how the how they operated from the inside. I saw how they uh, went after conservatives and went after really anybody that spoke truthfully about the, uh, the jihadi threat here in the United States and abroad. And um, I learned a lot from them. And uh, one of the things that they do is, is they really do uh, engage people all over the planet, um, and particularly in the United States, to um, to shut down any discussion on this issue, whether it's law enforcement, legislators, or citizens. And uh, I would like to uh, turn the tables on them. And that's what we're doing with Rare Foundation. This is a grassroots activist organization that is uh, helping Americans with the tools, the resources, the training, uh, and the support to um, to root out this evil in their communities. We want to reclaim our Judeo-Christian values here in the United States. And, uh, you know, we saw when President Trump was elected, the silent majority stand up and say, you know what, enough is enough. And while there's only so much President Trump can do from Washington, D.C., and so we still need the citizens to be engaged at the local level whether it's the Marxist threat or the jihadi threat, we need citizens to help root out um, these Muslim Brotherhood groups, these Antifa uh, groups from their communities uh, legally. And this is uh, rarefoundation.com is going to be a way for people to do that. Fantastic. And by the way, follow Rare Foundation on Twitter while you still can. And that's R-A-I-R, Rise Align, Ignite, and Reclaim. That's a rare foundation. Chris Kabat's our guest. Uh, Chris, uh, I, I don't know whether you saw this or not. Um, CARE just spewed out a bunch of statistics about the rise in hate crime, the anti-Muslim hate crimes that have taken place since Donald Trump got in office. And, of course, they teamed up, if you will, or at least... Uh, facilitated this issuance of a documentary, Islamophobia Inc., and apparently targeted, it was the name of the first installment or part or parcel to that. Did you happen to see that uh, that uh, documentary, that 48-minute documentary? Uh, no, chance? I haven't. Okay. No. All right. Well, you know, I, I, I'm sure... It like, claims hate crimes up yeah. against American uh, Muslims up 15%. Oh, it's, it's crazy. Oh, of course it is. You know, since Trump's election. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, um, when, when I was working with them and, and seeing how they operate from the inside, I can tell you that uh, these guys will use any opportunity that they can to inflate those numbers. I mean, look, uh, uh, a Muslim can um, get a dirty look on the subway and then report it as a hate crime to these guys, and they'll, and they'll pad their numbers with that. Um, you know, we've seen many documented cases of... Uh, of uh, Muslims around the country that have um, reported uh, quote-unquote hate crimes uh, that people have made, and they turned out to be false. Now, I'm not going to say that there there aren't certain people out there that have that have done things wrong. Um, and 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 look, I mean, we would condemn that.
contact us for public, and this this hate crimes report is just another way for these guys to do that. Exactly. Yeah, it is. And one of the interesting things that we see uh, in this time period in our country is that we have this victimhood movement of the you know the, the political correctness people, the the people who are demanding tolerance and diversity. And it seems like it has fit the agenda of care perfectly. Almost like care, it, this movement came along and care can just, you know, it, they fit right in. I mean, and, and you mentioned the, the hate crime increases or the purported hate crime increases to try to make their case better for themselves. I saw an article yesterday out of the Daily Caller that showed a, a, a college campus that saw a 94% decrease in their reported hate crimes by installing 400 security cameras across campuses. Now, the report went on to say how, uh, you know, how great their college in, is and how uh, wonderful diversity is, which was the reason for the decrease. But I, I would argue that those hate crimes never existed in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's hard to hate, it's hard to fake a hate crime when there's uh, cameras rolling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, well, well Chris, I, I want to ask you or address a couple of things here. First of all, um, under Obama, I, I believe Obama was is a Marxist Muslim. Okay, that's my belief personally. I believe that John Brennan, as head of the CIA, is, is a converted Muslim. I believe that uh, the the actions of 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 Brennan and uh, even Comey and Mueller, Mueller in particular, as head of the FBI, defanged all of the training materials, law enforcement training materials. Uh, for FBI agents and really diluted and diluted the FBI training materials, uh, you know, of, of any reference to Islamic terrorism. Um, anything I've said incorrect so far or, or that you might take issue with? No, I, I don't necessarily take issue with it. You know, when, when people, I get asked that quite a bit about Obama. Um, you know, whether he was a Muslim. And, and my answer is always this. Look, I don't know what's in the man's heart. I do know this. He is a Marxist. His policies are Marxist. Um, his upbringing, his background, uh, certainly rooted and steeped in Marxism. Uh, so whether or not he actually embraced Islam or not really doesn't matter. From from a Muslim Brotherhood perspective, from, from the global Islamic movement's perspective, uh, they couldn't have asked for a better president. So I look to his policies to say, you know what, whether or not he actually is a Muslim or just a godless Marxist, one thing we do know is that his policies were certainly Marxists and certainly favorable to the global Islamic movement, whose stated purpose is to wage jihad until the entire planet's under Sharia. So, um, you know, look, I, at the end of the day, I don't know What's well going on in his mind, but I can I can look at his policies, yeah. um, and the same for Brennan. I mean, the same for Brennan. He completely, um, completely um, appeased and worked with um, the global Islamic movement, those that would uh, do us harm here in the United States. And he's showing his true colors right now as he goes up against President Trump. So exactly. um, again, I wouldn't take issue with what you said. I just have a little bit of different spin on it. And that's that. That's a fair, uh, you know. I'm I, exactly, and and I think you're you're more precise than I am. Those are just my 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 gut instincts, but but you are much more precise than than, than what I stated. Um, all right. So 
if, if we can just visit a little bit about your infiltration into care. I, I, the book Muslim Mafia written about your, your infiltration. And folks, if you haven't purchased this book, if you don't have it in your library, man, you gotta, you gotta read it. Um, give us kind of like a, just a rundown. I know that people have heard your story before, but if you don't mind, just kind of give us a refresher on your infiltration and some of the findings that are that are relevant to today. Sure. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing about Muslim Mafia came out in um, in uh, 2009, and uh, it's more relevant now than it was when it came out, simply because you can, you can backtrack now uh, the path that was shown of, of the civilization jihad uh, that the CARE and the Muslim Brotherhood have been waging here in the United States.
Um, you know, we're seeing it right now in San Diego where uh, CARE is uh, working with the San Diego School District or was to um, to implement a anti-bullying campaign uh, solely geared towards Muslims, meaning they're going to train students, teachers, and parents on how to interact with Muslims at the exclusion of every other group out there. Um, this is just completely absurd what they're doing, but again, from their perspective, it, it makes perfect sense because they are waging jihad on all lines of effort, all uh, uh, any means necessary to uh, establish their Islamic state. And, you know, Chris, you did such an important service to this country by uh, infiltrating this organization and, and uh, you know, being able to, to work from within to see exactly what's going on. But as year and year goes by, we learn more and more about the extent of the influence that this organization CARE has, not only in America, not only in American politics, but in the Hollywood entertainment industry, in the uh, educational system. And I'm going to give examples for all of these. But look what they've done in Europe. We have seen Muslim migrants by the millions migrate to Europe. With that came a significant rise in terror attacks, sexual assaults, all these other things. And in the meantime, while citizens have been complaining about this and calling it for what it is, they've been able to get hate speech laws passed. So anybody who criticizes Islam can now be locked up. If it wasn't for our Constitution, they'd be doing that that here. And I I do have some examples to go through with you, but how far along in CARE's agenda, how how much have they conquered, in, uh, at least on the European side? Side, the uh, the Islamic movement has made uh, so many gains that that look it's a real real possibility that nations European nations will fall. I mean, I, th- I think of Belgium. Uh, the UK is in real real trouble. France is in real trouble. The Germans are in real trouble of losing their nation. Uh, and I want to make something very very clear: these Islamic movements wouldn't be anywhere if it weren't for the hard left Marxist progressive movements that have taken root in uh, in west in the west and uh, we are not immune to that I mean I, I wouldn't even say not only are we not immune to it but look um, you know go back and uh, reread if you haven't or read for the first time uh, you know Whitaker Chambers um, in his um, in his work exposing the communists uh, on Capitol Hill um, and the infiltration, the Marxist infiltration back in the 30s and 40s and um, the gains that the Marxist movement has made here. I mean, look at our universities. They're debating what bathrooms to use. <laughs> that's a direct, uh, that's not an accident. Destroying logic, uh, destroying um, objective truth, the concept of objective truth, reasoning, um, that is the and uh, and on the universities um, and journalism schools of journalism. If it were not for the Marxist movement that has made gains here in the United States and in the West for decades, uh, we would still be able to identify an enemy and speak about that enemy. But remember, it's not just care that wants to shut down the discussion about Islam, jihad, Sharia. It's the left. Um, and I'll just use Antifa as an example, but um, there's many more mainstream leftist organizations that are the same way, that anything that they disagree with that goes against their progressive Marxist uh, agenda is deemed hate speech. 
supporting President Trump is hate speech. And so this is where you see the merging of this Marxist counterstate and the Islamic counterstate, and where they agree is two things. They agree that if they can shut down the discussion and shut down the debate, well, you can't defeat a movement that you can't talk about, and they know that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, and and they they also understand and know that they have to have a revolution in order to get uh, to get their their goals. And it doesn't have to be a revolution where shots are fired. I mean, they're willing to do it by any means necessary, and they make that very clear. Um, but. Ideally, the the Marxists would have a resolution where people don't even realize they're in the mar- in, in uh, a Marxist uh, socialist state until it's too late. And uh, we really, I mean, I, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but we really, really dodged the bullet with President uh, with Hillary Clinton um, losing the election and and President Trump winning. I mean, we have a reprieve right now, but it doesn't mean that this threat is going away. In fact, it's taking root. Um, and it's really lashing out more than ever right now. Um, so this is the time. That's why I'm so passionate about Rare Foundation. This is the time that we have got to consolidate our gains. We've got to align together as as, um, as Americans that care about this country and work together for these next, however long President Trump is in office, uh, to get as much out of these next six and a half years that we possibly can. All right. Uh, Chris, uh, I know you're passionate about this. The rare movement. By the way, folks, go to RAIR Foundation on Twitter. Follow on Twitter. Bookmark rarefoundation.com. Uh, some of your initiatives, because you testified before the United States Senate on issues relating to the consequences of, um, uh, agency efforts to de-emphasize radical Islam and combating terrorism. And, and of course, uh, uh, so important. But, but, uh, rare foundation. What, to me, this is so critical that people get behind you and this organization, your foundation. Um, what are the initiatives of the Rare Foundation? Um, what are you, I mean, yeah. Yeah, just, so I'll, I'll use the example of, of, of San Diego School District. You know, here, here were, here were parents that stood up and they were concerned because their children were being indoctrinated. And they were going to be a part of a program that was geared towards softening them towards Islam and really making them afraid to even at, at the high school level to af- uh, afraid to even speak about Islam. They, they, they shouldn't, uh, they're going more and more into the school districts now. And so when you had parents stand up and speak up against this at, uh, at district meetings, um, against the San Diego school district, if Rare would have been active at that time, uh, we would have used our national media contacts, our resources. Uh, we have a, a dynamic team, unfortunately, for right now. Um, I'm, I, I can't uh, lay out our team members right now, but we have a team of people that have the media contacts um, that could have made this a national spotlight from the beginning. We, we could have uh, supported them in the local community, uh, the parents, um, and the children that didn't want to have a terrorist organization, and that's what Hamas is and cares Hamas, training students. Uh, we would have highlighted um, the uh, the actual members on that San Diego school district that were supporting this by name and giving um, citizens all over the country the ability to contact that school district and say no. 
emails and phone calls and uh you know, it's not just the national figures, I guess, is, the, is, is what I'm passionate about, that we need to highlight. Uh, President Trump, his support staff, um, conservatives like yourself, um, and, you know, organizations that are speaking truthfully, you have a voice, and oftentimes you're seeing what's going on at the national level. Uh, what we want to do, think of the Southern Poverty Law Center. You know, they, they smear and vilify anyone who speaks against the progressive movement and against the Islamic movement. I mean, they called Ben Carson an extremist for crying out loud. Um, but the people at the local level are not used to having their names put at the national level. And if you're going to support bad guys at the local level, then we're going to make you known at the national level. And that's really what we want to do is, is put these guys on the spot like the left and the Islamic organizations like CARE have been doing for years and years and years. And, you know, I'm looking at a, uh, i got to find the title for what I'm looking at here, but it, it's a very well-known publication that talks about this. It's called The Civilization Jihad, Using Our Best American Instincts Against Us. Then it goes through a whole bunch of subchapters in that one chapter. Jihad by Interfaith Outreach. Jihad by Lawfare. Jihad by Metafare. And on and on and on. And that one uh, case that you referenced in San Diego, they basically tried to not only change curriculum, but enact these anti-bullying statutes that would put Muslims above any other ethnicity or, or religious group, and it would basically make it a crime to insult somebody who is a Muslim, but it's okay to insult anybody else, to the point where it has, they said it was going to violate the First Amendment, and not only that, it would be brainwashing children, into uh, a, a distorted view of what Islam really is. And this is one school district. This is just one little part, one city in, in our country. How many times have we seen this, uh, you know, go forward and creep forward and not be opposed? And that's really what we got to worry about, and we continue to go through uh, what it is they're doing. They have, they're everywhere. They're like the deep state. They're in finance. They're, you know... Uh, in the education system, they're in the media, they're in Hollywood. It seems like their reach is endless. And as you said, it couldn't have happened this way without the help of people like the Southern Poverty Law Center, the Obama administrations, and the leftist ideology that uh, wants to bring this this here. Yeah, I mean, when when you look at Marxist ideology, in particular neo-Marxist ideology, this cultural Marxism where you do a slow creep and you, and you change the culture from within, I mean, that Look, the, the civilization jihad goes back to really to the time of Muhammad. This is a 1,400-year-old concept uh, where you change a society in stages, just like Muhammad revealed the Quran in stages, just like Muhammad changed his society in, in stages incrementally. Uh, that's what the left has done here in the United States. And, you know, if you were to talk to people in the 40s and 50s and you could have had a time machine, or something and show them what we're experiencing right now, they really wouldn't believe it. But that's what happens when you uh, when you get Marxists in our universities and in our schools, um, K through 12 now, four years. I mean, we've, we've essentially lost two generations uh, to this ideology to the point that if you're a conservative or you're on the right or you're right of center in any way politically, uh, and you believe in, in the Constitution, and you believe in limited government and decentralized government, uh, you've had to be swimming upstream your entire life uh, because
because everything that you're facing in the school system, in the workplace, uh, in government is counter to that. And the counter is the Marxist movement. And that's why I'm always um, very clear when I say that civilization jihad wouldn't work in the West if it were not for the Marxist infiltration in, in our societies. It simply, we could, we could reason our way saying, we could identify that's a clear and present danger to our republic, the Islamic movement, uh, the jihadi movement, and we would defeat it. Uh, but because we're not thinking rationally as a society, uh, because we've rooted uh, our Judeo-Christian values out of every public sphere virtually, um, there's no there's no uh, basis for for clear and rational thought, and that's why you get what you get today, which is a very very divided country. And again, I I mean I can't stress this enough. If President Trump would not have won this election. Uh, these would be dark times in America over the next four to eight years uh, because Hillary Clinton most certainly would have uh, instituted progressive policies. Progressive can mean Marxist, it's the same thing. Um, would have instituted policies, would have cracked down on conservative groups even more so. Uh, Google, Facebook, Twitter, they would have been more aggressive in censorship than they already are right now. Uh, federal, state, and local uh, law enforcement would, would be called upon at some point to crack down on conservatives. I mean, look what Lois Werner did with the IRS. Does anyone actually think if Hillary Clinton wouldn't have won that that wouldn't have increased? Um, so we really have an opportunity as Americans right now to to change the tide of this nation, but it really will take the same enthusiasm that everybody had on Election Day, November 16th, or November 8th, um, that same enthusiasm when they saw that President Trump won, uh, we need to carry that into the midterms and not just about voting. Um, we have to vote. We have to get involved. But there's a lot that goes on between these two-year election cycles. And, and that's where everyone that, that supported President Trump, that supports uh, reclaiming our country, it's not time to relax and turn on the television and say, oh, good, let's see what President Trump did today. Um, and watch him on Twitter, that's great. You support President Trump in every way, but the way we support him is by getting more engaged at the local level, not uh, less engaged. 100% accurate. Our guest is Chris Gabotz, President Rare Foundation USA. That's R-A-I-R. If you have a Twitter presence, follow Rare, R-A-I-R Foundation on Twitter, rarefoundation.com. Also, invest in the book Muslim Mafia. It's more relevant today than it was when it was written, and it's necessary for the foundational uh, knowledge that it provides. And, of course, uh, exposing care, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, uh, for what it is. You had said something. I just want to clarify this. You said care is Hamas. Did I hear you correctly when you said that? Yeah, I mean, look, um, there was uh, the Holy Land Foundation trial, which was the largest terrorism financing trial ever successfully prosecuted in U.S. history. Uh, a Hamas, uh, an organization that was funneling millions of dollars to Hamas, the Holy Land Foundation, uh, was indicted on 108 counts and found guilty on 108 counts. And um, evidence clearly demonstrated in that trial that CARE was founded by the Palestine Committee which 
identified in that trial showed that CARE was a Hamas organization. In fact, in 1993, the FBI was doing an uh, investigation on Hamas, and they surveilled a, uh, a meeting in Philadelphia where, per the FBI's memos entered into evidence in the Holy Land Foundation trial, they identified all members of that Philadelphia meeting as Hamas members. And there were 22 members there. Omar Ahmed and Nihad Awad were um, the two members there, and they are the co-founders of CARE. Uh, and you see this, by the way. Look at the reporting on the U.S. embassy move, right? This is Hamas that has been... Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. the rational people would say committing terrorism uh, and, and certainly rioting. Uh, but the media complicit with CARE, Hamas, is, um, is, is showing these as quote-unquote protests. Well, the whole purpose of CARE in their creation and in their own documents and their conversations was that, look, Hamas wasn't selling too well in the United States. It was a designated terrorist organization. So why don't we have an organization that can help with public relations? And if you notice, CARE primarily works in two spheres. They work in the media realm, and they work with legislators. And so um, in the media realm, there, there's a reason that these these uh, journalists, which mainstream media journalists in this country, we all know, uh, certainly tend toward the left, if not outright Marxist. And um, they're all too happy to uh, to parrot the narrative of care that Hamas are the uh, freedom fighters, that Hamas and, uh, and the... Um, the Palestinian fighter are just fighting the oppression of the Israelis, and uh, and it's the opposite of the truth. The Israelis have a right to, to their nation and their state, and they have a right to not worry about uh, suicide bombers blowing them up, or, or a right to uh, not be stabbed when they're walking through the streets, and uh, they have a right to not have rockets rain down them from down on them from above. And this is Hamas that's behind this, and other and other uh, terrorist groups uh, in line with them. And um, other Muslim Brotherhood groups, like the Muslim Students Association, uh, work hand in hand, hand in hand with CARE at the college uh, level to um, get our university students to believe that the Israelis are the oppressors and the Hamas are the good guys. Um, so hmm. there's more than enough evidence. You know, I've been saying this for years that CARE is Hamas, and this is one of the most litigious organizations in the world, and yet they've never sued me. And the reason they've never sued me is because it's true, and they know it's true, and they certainly don't. <laughs> Amen to that. And I, you know, I just, I wanted that, that lengthy or that longer explanation so people can understand that, uh, these are not innocuous. I mean, it, it sounds so flowery. You know, the Council on American Islamic Relations. Oh, it's just a innocuous kind of organization. No, it's not. In, in, in my view, it's not. It's like the ADL. You know, so yeah, uh, all right. Uh, now, one of the issues, if we and thank you so much for your your gift of time and, and the knowledge that you provide. But one of the issues, seemingly today, on, on a larger scale, is the issue of Sharia. And the uh, everyone is saying, "Well, Sharia, uh, we don't want Sharia." In fact, the the video, the forty eight minute video that I I saw yesterday, that was uh, tuned out yesterday. Uh, at people opposing Sharia and, and, and others saying, well, Sharia is, is uh, perfectly compatible with the Constitution, with, with, uh, with the, the, the democratic laws of the United States. What's Sharia? 
Is it compatible? What's up with this? Absolutely not. I mean, Sharia is foreign law. And no okay. foreign law of uh, the Constitution is to be the law of the land, not any other law. And Sharia is, um, so I'll, I'll, what, what CARE would say is that Sharia is just about the food that you eat and how you pray, right? Uh, but per the Quran, which they believe is the uncreated word of their God, Allah, and the Sunnah, which is the sayings, teachings, and traditions of the Prophet Muhammad, um, Sharia encompasses every aspect of life social, cultural, political, military, and religious, all governed by Sharia. Sharia governs every aspect of the Muslim's life. And um, and uh, the, uh, the jihadis all over the planet, ironically, whether it's Al-Qaeda, the Islamic State, the Muslim Brotherhood, the Taliban, Boko Haram, Al-Shabaab, uh, fill in the blank, any of the jihadi groups operating on the planet, they all have the exact same goal, which is to wage jihad until the entire planet's under Sharia. And the reason that they all have the exact same goal is because the Sharia is incredibly clear. The Quran and the Hadith, the, the sayings of, of Muhammad are clear that a Muslim is to wage jihad until every single corner of the planet is under Islamic rule and Sharia would be the law of the land. And that's, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the Democratic, uh, the lady running for the Democratic uh, position in Michigan, the House. Her name is Rashad, uh, Rashada Talib. She won the primary yesterday. Yeah, what's the danger of that? But she says this about, she says there's been an onslaught of anti-Sharia law bills being introduced into Congress. And she goes on to say that basically she doesn't understand why they would uh, have so many of these because uh, having anti-Sharia bills is addressing a threat that doesn't exist. Well, I mean, look, um, I don't know her personally, so let's just give her the benefit of the doubt and say that she's completely ignorant of Sharia. Uh, I would, I would um, argue strongly that she's not. Uh, that, that is, that's what exactly what you would want to say, right? That Sharia mm-hmm. is not a threat; it's no big deal. Um, Look, FGM is part of Sharia. Um, FGM, depending on uh, which school of Islamic jurisprudence it is, uh, there's four main Sunni schools. Uh, Sunni Islam makes up about 85% of the Islamic world. Um, female genital mutilation is permissible, and in, in one school it's considered obligatory. Uh, well, of course, she would oppose that, and, and our many Muslims uh, or Islamic groups like CARE oppose uh, FGM bills, and my question is always why? If it's not a part of Sharia, then why do you care if we pass a law about it? Uh, but they know that it is. Uh, lying is not just permissible to advance the jihad, to advance the, the Islamic movement. Lying is uh, obligatory. Uh, and so when we see these, uh, when we see whether it's Muslims running for Congress or city council or PPAs or school boards or for the governor in Michigan, Understand that every single time uh, one of these Sharia adherent Muslims gets elected to office, from their perspective, the slow crawl, the creep of Sharia is one step closer to their ultimate goal. And for people that think, well, that's just that's just outlandish. Again, I go back to think about the Marxist movement here in the 20s and 30s and 40s, and look how far they've come in the decades since. Uh, it's the same thing with the Islamic movement. They've been at this for decades, and they're just chip. 
chipping away until they can at some point have their revolution. And from their perspective, time doesn't matter. They, from, from their perspective, they will destroy America, whether it happens in 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years, or 40 years. It doesn't matter to them. Of course, they want it sooner rather than later. But at the end of the day, every victory that they have, they are one step closer to having their revolution. And um, so, yeah, I mean, and I'll just make one other quick point. I mean, who would have thought in the 20s and 30s and 40s in America that we would have a socialist, an openly socialist candidate for president that had an actual viable chance of winning. And we saw that with Bernie Sanders. And that isn't going away. That's not a news, but I'm a, a large part of the Democrat Party at this point in America uh, openly supports socialism. And um, I got to tell you, that scares the hell out of me. Yeah, we that, would have never de- imagined that. Yeah. But that's what happens with the slow crawl, the creep. Um, so the Islamic movement learns from that, and they can do the same thing. Yeah, and and reading here in this uh, uh, document through their their, uh, I'm not sure exactly how many articles here they have their articles of confederation. They openly say that this day of judgment will not come about until Muslims fight the Jews, killing all the Jews. And then it goes on to say, uh, much like the conquest of Syria and Iraq, that is how the West will be conquered internally first and then through uh, a literal battle, and that their caliphate will be complete by the will of Allah. That is in one of their own, I mean, their articles here. i got to find out what I'm reading so I can read it Well, I, I think that's the, the uh, memorandum that was yes. discovered. Yes. That was discovered that uh, the, the uh, Holy Land Foundation. Yeah, this is from Hamas, Care and yeah. the Muslim Brotherhood. The uh, That's what Chris was referencing, Secret right? plot Chris, to uh, destroy America. Yeah, you know, I always... Um, there's a hadith, uh, it's, um, Sahih Bukhari. Sahih Bukhari is considered to be authentic, um, transmission of Muhammad sayings, uh, by every school of Islamic jurisprudence. There's no question as to the authenticity of Sahih Bukhari. And there's a, um, a hadith where, um, uh, in Bukhari that says the hour of judgment will not come, um, until the, um, the rocks and the trees cry out, O Muslim, O servant of God, there's a Jew behind me, come and kill him. And, um, you know, every once in a while you'll get an imam that will quote that. Um, and then there will be this outrage, rightfully so, but there will be an outrage of, 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 well, this is a radical extremist imam. And I'm like, eh, yeah, it's an imam that got caught quoting Muhammad. Um, so it's not a radical or extreme viewpoint in Islam. It's only radical and extreme because he got caught saying it, not because he actually said it. It's for everybody. To imagine that Imam is not going to quote something that Muhammad said, just because we don't hear about it every day doesn't mean that it's not happening. And, and why wouldn't they? Muhammad's considered to be the perfect example of a man in, in Islam. Um, yeah, so well, we have a well, real problem. Oh, well, Chris, we we only have about three and a half minutes left, and and uh, I, I just want to know uh, how can we best support you? What do we need to do here? Uh, Chris Kabatz is our guest. R A I R RareFoundation dot com is his website. Rare, join the movement. Rare R A R A I R on Twitter. But Chris, um, in the, in the last few minutes we have, what what do we need to do? We need to back your organization. How can we help? Because we got to stop this cancerous growth on, uh, within our nation. 
Sure. Well, you know, I can be reached at Chris at RareFoundation.com. So not only can people sign up on the website so that when we actually launch, uh, we're doing a lot of work right now. We're just not launching the public website yet. Um, but what, what people can do is reach out to me. If there's something happening in your local community that you want highlighted, let us know. Um, if there's a way that you can help, if you're an attorney, and you're tired of what the Southern Poverty Law Center has been doing to conservatives here in the United States, and you want to offer your help, help us. If you're a if you're um, a volunteer, volunteer your time with research or helping us with phone calls or uh, or reaching out to other people. If you want to have me come out and speak about this threat, uh, whether it's the Marxist threat or the Islamic threat, I'm glad to come to your community. Reach out to me. Let me know. But more than anything. We need to support President Trump any way we can, um, whether it's in the social media sphere or uh, or whether it's at the local level. If you do want to get involved in supporting President Trump and American Judeo-Christian values at the local level, contact me at Rare Foundation. I will find a way to get you involved. Fantastic. All right. Chris Kabatz, uh, you are a true patriot, American hero, and uh, just an incredible guy. Thank you for uh, forming the Rare Foundation, Rare Movement. Thank you for the undercover work that you've done. You've done this country a great service, testifying, of course, before the U.S. Senate. Um, anything testimony is right on the, yeah. on the website there. Yeah. Anything upcoming that, that we need to know about? Appearances? Uh, coming uh, coming soon. I'll keep you guys posted on some of the some of the things I'm working on. I will be in Cleveland. Um, at an ACT uh, chapter meeting, ACT for America, on June 4th. So if anybody's in the Cleveland area, come out and see me. Uh, I'd love to meet you. And, uh, and again, I'd love to get people more engaged. But I want to thank you both for having me on. Uh, you know, you guys do a great service to our country by speaking truthfully about real threats uh, to our republic. And uh, I really do appreciate you uh, you having me on, and, uh, and it's a good conversation always. And, well, thank you, and, and you're a national treasure. And I want to say this, uh, one of our other guests, Mr. Randall Terry, just got done creating a documentary. It's titled Muhammad in his own words. And all he does is cite Muhammad's own words and uses it as a teaching tool against Islam, yeah. which is uh, very Randall effective. Randall so. phenomenal. Randall yeah. Terry oh, okay, is absolutely good. phenomenal. And his work is spot on. And I and I hesitate. Um, there's, there's a lot of people that, you know, I don't speak ill of people, but I certainly, if people aren't spot on in their analysis, then I typically shy away. Um, but Randall Terry is spot on, and he really knows his stuff. Well, thank you. We're going to pass that uh, that along to him. Chris Kabatz, R-A-I-R, rarefoundation.com, Rare Foundation on Twitter. Follow on Twitter. Support this movement. Contact uh, Chris via his website. Uh, should you be able to offer any assistance, we need to fight this cancer together. Chris, thank you so very much. May God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for having me on. All right. Folks, we're going to be right back. The last hour, Pastor David Langford, the voice of evangelism. Uh, Chris Kabatz, what a fantastic, oh, gutsy guy. You're listening to the Hagman Report. Stay tuned. Network break. And welcome back to our third and final hour on this Wednesday, May 16th, 2018 edition of the Hagman Report. Each Wednesday, Pastor David Langford joins us in our last hour, hour number three, and he is with us tonight. And we've had a lot go on since the last time you were on Pastor Get Langford. Get your spiritual nourishment here, by the way. 
the voice of evangelism. Get your spiritual nourishment right now. And, and you're right, Joe. Things have, a lot of things have been happening. Consider the embassy move. Jerusalem, Israel is God's timepiece. All kinds of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, Pastor, it's great to have you back on. Uh, let's start with Israel. The 70th year anniversary of the uh, foundation of Israel. On the can 70th I, year... Can I open with prayer? Uh, <laughs> sure. Loretta, Steve Quell's wife, had to have emergency surgery on her hip, a torn ligament or tendon. And uh, I just got off the phone with him, praying with him. And so, if you don't mind, I'd like for everyone tonight that would to pray for her. Uh, I think it would be comforting to Steve, and I know to everyone. So let's just take a moment, if you will, and let's ask the Lord to help them. Father, we humbly come before the throne of grace tonight. We trust in you because you are the God of all flesh. You admonished us in your word to cast every care, every burden that we have upon you. For you said in Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven, Behold, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And Lord, I know there's nothing too hard for you. I pray for the comfort of the Holy Spirit to touch Steve, Loretta, you touch Tyler, you touch their whole household, Father. Those who are listening tonight who need comfort, I ask that your word would comfort them, that your word would quicken them, Lord, and you'd bring the solace and the peace and the placidity that they need so immensely within their hearts and within their lives. Father, I also pray, as your word declares tonight, for the peace of Jerusalem. You admonished us in Psalms 122 and verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem that we might prosper. Lord, I know what's taking place around the world can be very ominous to some, and we see it as a prophetic blessing to others. We just ask that your sovereign will would be wrought, that you would move according to your word, because you will never do anything that is in opposition, neither contrary to your holy writ. Bless the Hagmans, bless their platform as never before, Father. Help us together to reach the world with the truth of your word and with the truth geopolitically, Father. Give us the the, the means, the mode, and the method to elaborate, to expound the truth in this hour, for the truth is the only thing that sets people free, and people need to be set free from the lies the deceit, the deception, the duplicity, Lord, that has taken such a stronghold within our nation. Now I ask God that the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, would keep every heart, would keep every mind, and bring comfort to every believer. We ask it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I thank you, uh, Joe and Doug, for allowing me that moment of prayer. I think any time we have a brother or sister that's suffering or hurting, uh, it is imperative that we do lift them up in prayer. P- yes. Pastor, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm so, if I can just say this, I'm so thankful that, that you brought this up. It's been on my heart. I didn't, uh, I, I've had some dialogue with Steve today, um, yes. fully aware of this. I didn't know how much he wanted out, and I'm so thankful that, 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 that you brought this up because yes. it's been on my heart. And, uh, please, folks, please pray. I mean, I consider Steve a, a, a great, great friend, one of my best friends. And uh, his wife, you know. So, so folks, please pray like you've never prayed before. And 
uh, for Loretta's uh, health and for Steve's stress level. And uh, so, thank you for that. Uh, Absolutely, and I, I thank uh, God for your burden, Doug. Uh, your awareness. I called him right before I went on the air just to make sure it was all right to pray. Uh, you know, you, Joe, myself, Steve, other host that you guest host that you have on. You know, we we all have real lives. Uh, we we have difficulties. There are days that, uh, Doug, I know you don't feel like coming to the studio and doing a program, uh, but the responsibility, the the need to uh, appropriate the truth is constantly there. So we we have to go. And uh, I was telling uh, someone in my home this week today, uh, Stephen, that you know we have real lives. And we, we suffer, too. We have difficulties. That's kind of what I've done today has been a minister on the phone uh, most of my day. But, you know, we love God's people, and, and God's people are under uh, distress. Much of it is undue distress, and that's the comfort of the Word of God, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And what we're witnessing, uh, as Joe alluded to here in Israel, uh, this should make your ears perk up. Uh, this should make you very sober, very diligent, very uh, keen. You, you need to be on your A game because what is happening is prophetic. Now, you know, we don't set dates. We don't set days. We, we see that constantly, and everyone has failed. I think the last date that was set, I want to say, was back in uh, March for the rapture. And, of course, it didn't take place. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it emphatically. There is no pre-tribulation rapture. You're wasting your time. You're neglecting the truth. You're neglecting God's Word if you're embracing that doctrine. And I know I'll get a few hate emails, but you're believing in a fallacy. There's no way that if you have a really heart for God that you will not go back and take a second look at this doctrine. And you're sitting here on the earth, and you're witnessing as God begins to unfold his prophetic clock. And as Doug well said, Israel is God's master timepiece. I know people hate to hear that statement, but Romans 11.25 says, Blindness in part has happened unto Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. If you take the time to look at that verse, look at it with a, with a pure heart, uh, you'll, you'll see something there uh, that will open your eyes that God is neither through dealing with Gentiles, he's yet to deal with the Jewish people. So let's look at that again. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant, uh, this mystery, that blindness in part is happened to Israel. So they are partially blind. They are partially hardened in their hearts until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. What does that tell you? After the Gentiles are brought in, God's affection, God's love begins to turn back toward Israel because Israel is his firstborn. That was the reason God killed the firstborn male in Egypt. He said to Pharaoh, to Moses, for Moses to tell Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn. So, because 
Pharaoh touched God's firstborn, God says to Pharaoh, I'm going to touch your firstborn, and you don't know what it's going to take to keep your firstborn from being saved, from being kept, from being preserved. But it's going to take the blood of a, of a, of a lamb that was slain, and that blood would be applied to the doorpost. I believe, personally, uh, that those, whether they were Egyptians, which would make them Gentiles, or they were Israelites, if even Egyptians put the blood over their doorpost, they too would be saved. Uh, there, there were Egyptians, and I won't get into all of this tonight, but in the book of Numbers it talks about the mixed multitude. There were mixed Egyptians in with the Israelites, and they were saved. Why were they saved? They were behind a door where the blood had been applied to the doorpost and to the door lintel. In Exodus 4 and 21, And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand, but I will harden his heart, that he shall not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me, and if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. So this is under the law, under the Mosaic Covenant, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. So he says, you touched my firstborn, I'm going to touch even your firstborn. So it all evolves around how God is dealing with the nation of Israel. Now, um I'm sure many people saw the medallion where it's going to be a coin. Doug, are you, you know if it's going to be a coin, that, that medallion that was on the wall, if they were... Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, yes, I believe it. I believe that to be the case, yes. Okay. But in Joe's nodding agreement, yeah. Yes. Okay. Why is that significant? Now, we, we've talked about this now for almost a year and a half, pushing two years, about Donald Trump being a type of King Cyrus. Now, on that coin that everyone saw around the world, it had a Bible verse on it. And the Bible verse was Ezra chapter 1, verse 2. He hath charged me to build him a house. And I think that's all you could read. But the verse says, He hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Now, let's, let's, let's look at the whole context of that verse that is printed on that medallion or that coin. Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Israel, a king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven, hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth and hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea. You know, it, it, it looked like Trump had no way possible to win the election. I mean, there were 16 Republican candidates. All of those guys were part of the Council on Foreign Relations. They were they were uh, initiated by every every group uh, in America. But this one man against all odds, God allowed to be elected. 
and we forget what God says in his word. And you've heard me say this. Sometimes people do things, whether it's a good deed or a bad deed, they do it because God put it in their heart. And you may say, well, would God put it in someone's heart to do something evil? Absolutely. How do I know that? I just shared with you from Exodus 4 and 21. I will harden his heart that he shall not let the people go. God, Elohim personally, hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he might display his wonders and his glory. Jehovah told Moses, he said, Abraham knew me by my covenant. You're going to know me by my judgments. Very, very tremendous contrast in the revelation of God, Elohim. Elohim fundamentally means creator. And so the creator whom man has never seen, no man has ever seen God at any time, John said in John 1.18. He is the one that's omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent, making all of these things come to pass. And men may perceive, well, I'm just doing this because it's what I want to do. But Revelation 17, 17 said, For God had put it in their hearts to fulfill his will. Now here's a man that was not ever elected so much as a mayor of any city. But he becomes the president of the United States. Why? And we've talked about this scores of times. It was the right time. At the appointed time. We see the word appointed slash time. The appointed time. Uh, we've talked about the chronos, the succession of time, one, two, three, four, five. Then we get to the karyos, a divine appointed time when four ordained events must come to pass. Cyrus was named Cyrus 150 years before he was born. But the appointed time came to fruition that when God would make him a conqueror, God would make him a ruler, and God would put him in a position to allow Israel to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. We're witnessing a repeat of history, and it is amazing to witness as God does these things. Now, I, I want to be careful. I, I, I have a higher level of degree of confidence now than what I had 25 years ago. 25 years ago, this same scenario began to produce itself on September the 11th, Rosh Hashanah, 1993, on the White House lawn, when Yasser Arafat and Yishat Rabin made a covenant. You all remember the picture of Yishat Rabin, Yasser Arafat, standing on the White House lawn. The peace treaty, the peace agreement that they signed was known as the Peace and Security Agreement. That would be 1 Thessalonians 5 and 3. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction. All right. These two men were shaking hands. Bill Clinton was standing behind both men. If I remember correctly, his left hand was on the shoulder of Yikshat Rabin. His right hand was on the shoulder of Yasser Arafat. That's Daniel 9 and verse 27, where Daniel said he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Now, a conference
confirmation is a secondary action of something that has already taken place. Yasser Arafat, Yikshat Rabin, one representing the Palestinians, the other representing Israelis, signed a covenant. Bill Clinton was the man standing there confirming their covenant. Now, uh, regretfully, uh, pre-tribulationists have, have espoused a lot of false doctrine in the sense down to the fact that they said the Antichrist makes a covenant with Israel. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say he makes a covenant. The Bible says he confirms a covenant. It'd be like me witnessing, you know, Joe, you and your dad sitting there, and y'all come to an agreement on something. You know, I'll take Monday's program, Dad. You take it off, and then we'll come back together Tuesday. And you shake hands. And I sit there, and I, I witness that. And I say, I'll confirm that. I didn't do anything except decree I would confirm their agreement. And this is what's being worked on right now. Now, here's the, the real $64,000 question. Donald Trump took Jerusalem off of the negotiating table. That was unheard of. That was unimaginable. That was unthought of. Aluda Boss says, you've lost your power to negotiate. You have already failed us in taking Jerusalem off of the table. Well, the truth is, nobody had ever said that. Nobody had ever done that. But this is a means and a mode of getting the Islamic world to negotiate with better faith. See, now I, I know there's a lot of anti-Semitism exploding right now, and I hear it. I hear it from purported Christians. Israel are over there killing people left and right. If you'll go down to Gaza every day, there's a there's a there's a there's a crossing there where they bring in thousands pounds of food, fuel, medicine. This goes on all the time. But what Israel is doing, they're watching. And they're guarding what goes through, because there were years they were bringing in a concrete by the thousands of bags, and what was the Palestinians doing? Used it to build concrete bunkers so they could attack Israel. And so they had to become careful, even letting the Palestinians have concrete, Doug. And so to keep them from being so castigated, which they are continually, it doesn't matter what Israel does, they're going to be persecuted. You know, the word persecution, it means to be pursued after. Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 24, 9, he said, you're going to be afflicted, you're going to be persecuted. In other words, you're going to be vehemently pursued in the time of the end. I find it amazing how that Jesus said, all the nations of the world, you're going to be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Why? Now think about this, guys. Why is the hatred so vehement toward Israel? Because Jesus came through the lineage of the Israeli men. We got our, our, our Messiah came through the seed of the woman, Genesis 3.15. We received the word of God from the Jewish people. Uh, God gave them a city called Jerusalem. Jerusalem has 5,000 years of recorded history. I was in Jerusalem, and I had dinner with the Ministry of Tourism. And he, he was telling me that, uh, talking about the Quran, 
he said to me, he said, you know how many times the word Jerusalem is mentioned in the Quran? And I said, no, sir. He said, not once. I said, what? He said, not one time is the word Jerusalem ever mentioned in the Quran. And when you look at Jerusalem, Mount Zion, etc., uh, in the Old Testament, I want to say he said it was mentioned 300 or 600 times. What does that tell you? It tells you the authenticity of God's Word is true. It, the validity of God's Word is true. It's the only city in the world where God put his name. It's the city where the Antichrist is going to stand up and declare himself to be God. I know there are those who despise and loathe. Uh, John Hagee and others who are quote-unquote Zionist. Well, just look up the word Zionist, see what it means. It means a right to have a piece of land. Uh, I'm an American. I have a piece of land that I live on. It's one of my rights as a United States citizen. And, and, and uh, there are those who are just, they're poison. I mean, that's the only way I can describe some of the people today that claim to be Christians, they're poisoned. They're full of venom because they've read somebody's book. They didn't get this out of the Bible. They did not get this idea out of the Bible. They got this from somebody who is totally anti-Semitic. The new city that God brings down out of heaven in Revelation 21 is called New Jerusalem. On New Jerusalem, it has 12 foundations. Whose names are written on the 12 foundations? The 12 apostles. I believe Judas Iscariot's name will not be on there. I believe that Paul the Apostle's name will be on there. There are 12 gates of pearl on New Jerusalem. The 12 tribes of Israel are engraved on the 12 gates of New Jerusalem. You say, I hate Israel. Well, you're going to hate New Jerusalem because the name of every Israeli tribe is going to be on those gates. And the reason God renovates the earth is because he will not allow a new Jerusalem to come down and dwell on an old earth. So Revelation 21.1, John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. Then he says in verse 2, And I saw new Jerusalem descending out of God from heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. So this is not a renovated Jerusalem. It is not a renovated earth. It is a new heaven and a new earth with a new Jerusalem. And and so, you know, I I personally, uh, Doug, I, I, don't, I don't see how people that claim to be Christians and read the Word of God can have this hatredness myself. Do, do, you, do you understand how they can be so vehement? No, sir. Uh, Pastor, you, you said it best when you say these, these are not ideas that came from them, themselves. They're, these are things that other people have heard and then they've built off of or they've agreed with and then uh, you know, taking that point of view. You know, one of the things that when we talk about what happened on Monday, the 62 dead Palestinians, you know, Hamas came out this morning and said, yeah, uh, 50 of those were our terrorists. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Isn't, isn't that something? Now, here's a, here's a key, Hamas. When you look up the word violence in the Hebrew, 
It is spelled C-A-H-A-M-A-S, Hamas. And they pronounce it Hamas. They are telling you they are violent people. You know, Israel's got so many drones, so many cameras. They witness so much stuff that goes on. And yet you give them that footage, and the world says, oh, that is a lie. And yet, uh, just a few years back, uh, they, they discovered all those tunnels. Israel didn't even know these scores and scores of tunnels were already dug, and they were planning to have an uprising inside Israel. And Israel is the only democracy. And, and, I, and I know the scriptures, folks. Don't, don't send me your hate emails and all this stuff tomorrow. I know Revelation 11, verse 8. It calls Jerusalem the, the, the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm aware of that. But America has Sodomites and rulers of Gomorrah. I mean, I don't see how our nation can keep electing people that are in favor of sanctuary cities, but it continues on. You see, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. There are, there are, there are Israeli, they're called Messianic Jews. They believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I know some of them. I've talked to them. I've served communion in Jerusalem. I've uh, been to the, uh, the tomb of Jesus. I've been in church over there. So I, I know the Christians that are there, and they're Jewish. In the beginning, you have to ask yourself this question. In the beginning, when Jesus Christ said in Matthew 16, 13, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, the beginning of the church were Jews, Jewish people that became converted to the doctrine of Christianity through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why Acts 11 says they were first called Christians at Antioch. But the church early on was slash Jewish slash Christianity. That's what it was. This is why Peter preached so powerfully on the death Pentecost in Acts 2.36. He said, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that same Jesus, whom you have crucified God, hath made him both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Baptism is about identity. They were adamant early on to be identified with Moses and the law. Peter stands up and says, You've got to forget that now. We're going a different direction. We're going another way. It's called grace. By the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross is now the only way you can be saved. So Peter was telling them, you have to believe in the Messiah. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that same Jesus whom you crucified God hath made him both Lord and Christ. We know that to be factual because in Acts chapter 19, verse 1, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Let's stop right there. They didn't have the Holy Ghost, yet they were believers. Listen to what the Scripture says. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They were believers, but they didn't have the Holy Ghost. Paul says, they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. 
they had not heard this new message, repent in Jesus' name and be baptized in the Holy Ghost. So Paul says unto them, what then were ye baptized? How were you baptized? What baptism were you baptized in? And they said, unto John's baptism. Who were they identified with? John the Baptist, John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, Jesus, which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So they were believers, but they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. Now, what was John's baptism? Uh, Matthew three eleven. John said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John's was a baptism of water. Jesus was a totally different baptism. It was a baptism in the Holy Ghost. Now, there will be some who will put emphasis on the water. John and Paul put the emphasis on the Holy Ghost. This, this is the greatest, well, let me, don't, I'm going to retract that statement. This is one of the many baptisms. Now, I know that may throw some of you a curve, but there are multiple baptisms. How do we know that? Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 2, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Doctrine of baptisms. It is plural. See, there's also another baptism we never hear talked about, we never hear mentioned. It's never physically seen. There's never any certificate or anything to give you to verify that, but it's the baptism into the body of Christ. You say, now, well, where's that at? Well, glad you asked the question. First Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Christ is one body. Now here's the, here's the verse. For by one Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is one member, but is not one member, but many members. In other words, you have feet, eyes, hands, nose, all of these are members. So Paul says, for by one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, are we all baptized into one body. Whose body? The body of Christ. Doesn't matter whether you're Jew, doesn't matter whether you're Gentile. See, that's, that was one of the great mysteries. And of course, it's the Jewish people that brought us these great mysteries and these baptisms. We wouldn't even know this if we didn't have the Word of God. Now, Ephesians 2 and 15, Paul said, having abolished in his flesh the enmity or the hostility, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God 
in one body. Whose body? Jesus Christ. That he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. If there's ever any emphasis to be placed on anything, the emphasis must be placed on the work that Jesus did and accomplished on the cross. Paul didn't even preach baptism, folks. Now, I know that may upset some people, but I'm just telling you what Paul said about himself. He didn't preach baptism. He preached the cross. He said in 1 Corinthians 1 and 15, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. Now we're getting down to the names. We won't get into all of that tonight, but one said I'm of Paul, one said I'm of Apollos, another said I am of Cephas. And Paul said, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And he said, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. Why? He said, for the preaching of the cross is, the, is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Let me back up one verse, verse 17. First Corinthians 1, 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize. Now you would think, if a man, God ordained as an apostle, he wrote 13 epistles, he didn't put the emphasis on the baptism. He put the emphasis on the cross. Those Ephesians were believers. They were saved, but they had never received the Holy Ghost. Why? Because in believing Jesus' work on the cross, that's what baptizes you into Christ's body. But there's, you know, you're, you're never, you don't never get wet. You don't get a certificate. You don't get anything when you're baptized into the body of Christ. This is one of the other baptisms. We never talk about that. Some of you listening to me tonight, you've never even heard this subject. And I'm not trying to uh, blow you away. I hope I'm not appearing to be arrogant or, or self-righteous that I know more or I'm smarter. But this is something that we don't talk about. We, we talk about what we understand. So if we don't understand something, we, we just leave it alone because we don't understand it. But the truth is, every person who believes in Jesus has been baptized into his body, which is the church. So that's why I wrote that book. The church is not feminine. The church is masculine because the church is Jesus Christ. The, the Father presents to him a glorious church. But Jesus purchased the church with his own blood. So the emphasis is supposed to be uh, on what Jesus did on the cross. And when you look at the Bible, the Old, the New Testaments, you look at all the prophecies, you look at all the, the scriptures, these came through the Jewish people. Now, uh, Isaiah prophesied so much about the Jewish people and the Messiah. It's, it's been said that the book of Isaiah is the fifth gospel because God gave Isaiah such revelation. You know, Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Uh, Isaiah 53, 12 says, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus died between two thieves. 
Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and that shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9 and 6, For unto us a child is given, a son is born. His name shall be called Wonderful, Caster, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Uh, Isaiah had such insight from an Old Testament perspective. He foretold how Jesus would be beaten, uh, wounded, marred, and mutilated, uh, how that a virgin would conceive through the Holy Spirit and bear a son. Isaiah was writing things a natural man could never understand. You know, when Nicodemus in John 3 came to Jesus, and Jesus said, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, how am I going to get back into my mother's womb the second time? He, You see, he, he, he was a he was a, a ruler, a leader among the Jewish people, but he didn't get it. And Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. See, water, when they thrust the spear into Jesus' side, they said in John 19, forthwith came blood and water. That water speaks of his humanity. Well, what's significant about that? Well, there's a sack around the heart called the pericardium, and this sack has fluid in it. It's what protects the heart when a person like playing football can be hit so hard in the chest and not stop the hearts because of the pericardium sack, that water, that fluid. When that Roman soldier thrust that spear into Jesus' side, it says, forthwith there came blood and water. Jesus knew this was going to happen to him because he said, except a man be born again of water and of the Spirit, which the water part and the blood coming from his heart showed his humanity. He was God, but he was human. And how does this take place? By the Spirit. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, if you'll look at that in your Bible, he's got the word spirit there twice. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The first spirit there is a capital S because that's talking about the Holy Spirit. The second spirit is your spirit, my spirit, must be born again through what? The Holy Spirit. He's the one that brings us into the baptism of the body of Christ. He's, he's, that's how we become born again. And then Jesus said to Nicodemus, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Again, the word Spirit, there's a capital S, meaning Holy Spirit. And as I witness the the hatred and the malice, uh, I'm going to say something here, and I know this is going to really make people mad, but I'm going to say it anyway. I question your salvation. God is a Spirit. They that worship God must worship God in spirit and in truth. There are a lot of people who may have truth, but they don't have any spirit. 
They have may, they may have spirit, but then they have no truth. Jesus said, if you're going to worship the Father, you must worship him in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. In other words, you have to have both. You must be born again. A sinner cannot worship God. Now, there are sinners thinking they're worshiping God, but it's vain, it's worthless, it's fruitless. God doesn't even recognize it. That's Isaiah chapter 1. He said, I'm tired of your vain oblations. I'm tired of your sacrifices. I'm tired of your, your new moons. I'm tired. You, all you are are religious. There are a lot of people, because they've never been born of the Spirit, they're having a form of godliness, but they're denying the power of them. The power is the Holy Spirit. And they're denying that power, that Holy Spirit, to work in their lives and change them and make them complete. You know, now, just because you are born again, you have the Spirit of Christ, you're still held captive to your earthen clay jar. That's the problem with us. You know, I live in this house of flesh. Bars of clay, they hold me. Dottie Rambo wrote a song. These bars of clay, they hold me hostage. So my, my, my conflict is with my spirit and with my flesh. And just because I'm born again doesn't mean I'm not going to have any fleshly problems. You'll have fleshly problems until you die. Your objective is to keep yourself subject, submitted to the Spirit of Christ. Romans 8, 9, Paul said, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Those those Ephesians in Acts 19 had the Spirit of Jesus, but they had not been born again. Well, let me quote it again, Romans 8 9. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. They were of Christ because they said we're believers. We believe in Jesus Christ. But they had never heard whether it was any Holy Ghost or not. So this is where we, we get into spiritual maturity. And no two people, no two people are at the same spiritual level in their lives. None of us. I'm not where Joe is. I'm not where Doug is. I'm not where Steve is. I'm not where Henry Groover is. We're, we're all at a different level. It may be, if we could measure it, it may be one-tenth of a difference. Or it may be a yard different or a mile different. That, that's, that's not our place to judge or to even compare ourselves. That, that's, a, that's a terrible mistake in, in Christianity today. People are comparing themselves. Well, am I as uh, spiritual as, as Doug Hagman? Am I as spiritual as Joe Hagman? Well, Second Corinthians 10, verse 12 says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reach not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. The, the message is always about one person, Jesus. Everything the Holy Spirit does 
directs us toward Jesus. When we preach the Word of God, it directs us back toward Jesus. God the Father directed the attention at one person, Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, Elohim or Jesus, believe in Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you're going to believe in Elohim. Because Jesus said to Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's all right there. But again, he said they have eyes to see, they see not. They have ears to hear, they hear not. He said, this people's hearts are waxed gross, lest they should be converted and I should heal them. That's Matthew 13, verse 15. So this is, this is what's happening. And so I know there will be those who will be offended. When I said a while ago, if you are anti-Semitic and you have this hatred, you have this malice, I have to believe you're not baptized into the same body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're outside of his body. If you are outside of Christ's body, you're none of his. I'll quote it again, Romans 8 9. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus, he's none of his. You're, you're not part. Now, Jesus, in Matthew seven twenty one, he said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. That, they are so intertwined, Jesus and the Father. If you love Jesus, you are going to do what the Father has willed. Jesus said, Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. So we come and we petition the Father in Jesus' name. Everything is about the name of Jesus. He said, you'll cast out devils in my name. You'll preach the word in my name. Everything is about the power of the name of Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. See? uh, Stephen tells us in Acts chapter 8, he said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Who did did he see? Who Who could he decree? Who could he declare? Jesus. Because why? Even in the and First uh, Timothy six and sixteen, see, Paul understood that. Uh, who hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to him be honor and power everlasting. Amen. So, Stephen, who did he see? He saw Jesus. This I'm, I, I can't overly emphasize tonight the significance of Jesus Christ coupled with the nation of Israel. I, 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 would ma- I could make a statement tonight, and it would probably get me more hate and more misunderstanding. But who did he say Israel was? I, I shared it with you when we began the program tonight. Israel was his firstborn. He's my son. I'll let you ponder that. Who really is Israel? Israel is my son, even my firstborn. 
you think about that because if I if I say what I want to say, I know tomorrow I'll be blistered, I'll be chapped, I'll be ground to powder. But he said, "Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn." There's something about the firstborn, even the firstborn of the father, the firstborn of the father. He's my son, so he says. My retribution will be, I will slay, I will kill your firstborn. And in closing tonight, one of the reasons it is important to pray for Donald Trump, he's working on a peace deal, folks. I don't know what it is. I'm anxious to see the ramifications also of this peace treaty. Uh, As I said years ago, They've been working on a shared agreement with the Temple Mount. Islam, Judaism, Christianity. We're in the time of the end. And all of those of you, and I and I get the, the, the reproof, and I get the rebuke, and I get the criticism. I wish you wouldn't uh, castigate those who believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. It insults us. I'm not trying to insult no one. I'm trying to give you truth that you can see what's going on. How long, how deep will we get into this and people keep preaching, advocating, and believing? Let's just say it next year. Let's just say next year they started to build a third temple. What are you going to say then? How are you going to perceive Bible prophecy then? Are you going to say, oh, Pastor Lankford, he's still wrong. Oh, I know they're building a temple, but that doesn't mean anything. Listen, he came unto his own and his own received him not, but as to men as received him, to him gave he power to become the sons of God. We're witnessing special things taking place, and this is the power of prophecy. This 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 is what lets the world know God is real, God is sovereign. Why? Because he has already foretold these things, how they would be, what they would be, where in Jerusalem they would take place, etc., etc., etc. And so as we witness these things, you've got to start asking yourself the question, if I'm witnessing these things, do I need to reconsider my, uh, my, my eschatology, my, my view on Bible prophecy? See, because you're witnessing strange things taking place and they're 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 very they're very unusual right now to say the least and so I, I i would just encourage those of you tonight to keep praying for donald trump and and i'm anxious to see what this so-called peace deal will incur it it may reveal some things to us that may help us to understand the true possibility of identifying the man of sin I don't believe anybody will be able to identify him to the abomination of desolation. But there might be another indicator uh, giving us insight that this this could be the possibility. And that's why I said beginning tonight, I want to be careful. Because I witnessed this in 1993 with Yixha Rabin, Yasser Arafat, and Bill Clinton. And there were those who were dogmatic and said, the Lord will come in the fall of 2000. That would be seven years when they signed the peace treaty in 1993, September the 11th. So I want to be careful and not declare, decree anything until I'm, I'm for certain, because I, I don't want to mislead anybody. I know those who 
who made those declarations, uh, they're gone. Their ministries are, for the most part, gone, and they're, they're no longer viable to the body because they were not right. And I know there's some things that are going to happen with the Jews that are living in Palestine that's going to help us to see these things. And I, that may be part of the peace treaty. That's one of the things they're talking about. How can the Jews stay in East Jerusalem and, you know, with, and mingle with the Palestinians? So there's a, there's a lot to be worked out. But it will be worked out because the Bible decrees it will be worked out. And it will come to fruition. Amen. Amen, Pastor. Well, well stated. Uh, wow. Powerful words tonight. Oh, you know, I was going through... Uh, a similar thought process uh, the last few days this week, at least uh, talking with John during our daily show and debating, you know, if this were to uh, come to fruition, if this were to deal were to be made, what would that mean prophetically? And uh, you, at least from everything I understand, it, it, you can't tell right away unless they put the time limit on it, unless they do certain things. But even then, if, even if they don't do it, you just, you can't tell. So we're going to have to be uh, in our we're gonna have to pray we're gonna have to uh keep our head up and, and our ears open and if we're praying for that guidance from the lord to to get a better idea of what's going on to have that discernment but it's well, definitely said, such you know, an interesting told, time we're told to pray for jerusalem where's jerusalem at folks it's in israel <laughs> <laughs> you know he's telling you to, he's telling you where to pray and, and and telling you where to pray he's really telling you who to pray for you know i'm, I'm gonna close with this John fourteen twenty nine, and now have told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. We've got the word. Now we take the word of God and we exegete it, we expound on it, but we look at it. This is why it's so important for people to read their Bibles. Therein lies all the truth. And if you do that, you're going to see things. And, you know, North Korea now says they're backing out. Iran wants to take Israel down. We are so tenuous in this hour, and you, you just everyone needs to be sober. Things have accelerated. That was the word the Lord gave me in 2012, that things would accelerate, and they have accelerated profusely. And this is just another part of the acceleration, Trump moving the embassy. And he accelerated the move. He accelerated the move. It was supposed to be till next year. He made it happen this year. So... On the 70th anniversary, on the day of the 70th, 70th right. anniversary. And I'm really watching to see what happens this fall. Because if there is a peace treaty this fall, then you can almost look out seven years later and see Christ coming in the fall of the year, fulfilling Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of Tabernacles. He fulfilled the first two feasts, the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, at his first coming. He'll, he'll fulfill the last two at his second coming. So, needless and, to say, folks, we're in some interesting times. Go ahead, I'm sorry. You address this in your book, Revelation 13 Revealed, at least yes. part of this. And, and, folks, it's a great book, Revelation 13 Revealed, available at thevoiceofevangelism.com. I would urge everyone to to, uh, to read that book. It's a, it's, a, it's a quick read. It's a good read. It's a comprehensive read. No wasted words there. So I want to thank you for writing that book, and thank you for your spiritual guidance. And uh, Thank you. As Bill you and opened, and as you opened uh, folks, I just want to remind everyone again, please keep uh, Steve Quayle and uh, his wife, Loretta. Loretta had surgery 
again, I, I, I didn't know how, how, you know, I did have authority to, to bring it up. I'm glad you did. Uh, keep them in your prayers. Uh, but thank you, Pastor, for that. You were just reiterating my last words. God bless everyone and, uh, keep, keep your eyes on Jesus because he's the peacemaker and the end of all of this. Love you Amen. guys. Everyone have a great right. night tonight. Thank you, Joe and Doug. Thank you, Pastor. All right. God all bless. Right. Bye bye. Wow. Fantastic, uh, fantastic information. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, timely as always. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was just looking, um, you've got a couple of things taking place right now. Uh, Erdogan urging the Islamic world to unite against Israel. You've got headline upon headline upon headline, uh, right now centered around Israel. So, uh, keep your eyes on the Middle East on all of the things taking place there. A couple of announcements, obviously. Uh, catch the Doug Hagman radio show at 9 o'clock in the morning. The John and Joe, the Hagman Daily Show, John and Joe, at, uh, from 2 to 3, Global Star Radio Network and BTR. And, um, obviously come back here tomorrow night for the Hagman, the flagship show, the Hagman Report. I'll be hosting the fourth hour on InfoWars tomorrow. Uh, oh, Red Pill Expo. Make sure you, uh, use Hagman as the promo code for the Red Pill Expo for 15% off. That's coming up in June. So Red Pill Expo. And also, don't forget, HelloFresh.com forward slash Hagman 30. That's HelloFresh.com forward slash Hagman 30. Great meals. I want to thank them for being a sponsor of our show. I want to thank each and every one of you for supporting us, supporting our work, supporting our research, and uh, allowing us to, to come into your living rooms, your cars, your offices, your uh, diners, you, you know who I'm talking about, and uh, uh, allowing us to just to be part of your lives. We we don't. I'm gonna tell you, we don't take that lightly, and we appreciate all of you. I want to thank Greg Jackson, Chris Kabatz, and uh, Pastor David Langford as well. Any closing comments, Joe? Just uh, again, RedPillExpo.org. Use promo code Hagman. You get. Uh, until the end of this month, you get a free, the free 2017 DVD set, 10 DVDs, 14 speakers, and that is free with the purchase of your ticket when you use promo code Hagman, and that ends at the end of this month, so make sure if you want to go, uh, you take advantage of the, that offer, because yeah. I don't, uh, apparently they don't have that many left, so. And, and by the way, uh, True Legends Conference too, make, make sure you register real quick because that's filling up and, and uh, live streaming as well so just thank you thank you to uh, John Robertson our producer Eric the tech Jackie Joe and on behalf of uh, Lady the Studio Dog and her adopted brother Theo uh, have a great night God bless good night everyone